0: Ah uh, Mama 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 We made it. Yeah, 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 yeah. What it, what it, what it, do that. Oh, yeah. oh, oh fucking we. Just to let y'all know, I'm gonna let Joe start this shit. Actually finish it, cause I just started this <laughs> But Nushi Gucci's in the building. We got a Gucci do rag oh. on. Shout out to Keo. Gucci. Shout out.
1: Gucci. Nushi being the extreme assholishness to the maximum. The assholery
0: the pe- is at its finest at this moment. In the best way possible. you goddamn right. It's well, ladies. I appreciate it's a that. Yeah. It's a vibe. I appreciate that
1: you appreciate
0: it. Yeah, yeah. And we on. And we here.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, uh. we got a guest here today. My brother, my comrade, my dear friend. Yeah, we're friends. We're you good got friends. really
0: Caucasian there, yeah, and you I know respect what? I, I got to throw, it in, gotta throw it in there. I got to throw it in there.
1: Just so you know. Yes. Uh, we got Matt Siegel in the building, ladies Matt and gentlemen.
0: Matt, Siegel in the building.
1: Hello, guys. What a do, to here For real. It's a Thank damn you. pleasure to have you here, bro. No, 100%. And we talked about this. Um, you know, you're one of those people who we've known for a long time. You and I have been friends for a really long time and have seen the evolution of. From matter to just matter to back to matter Uh. to Matt Siegel. Hello. And it's been been a beautiful thing. The reincarnations. The reincarnations one after another. And recently when we've been talking, I mean, your story is incredible. And uh, me seeing it and being a part of it along that way as you move through these different avenues and these different parts of your life and as your trajectory continues to to go up i'm happy you're here and, and uh, we're capturing that moment my man
2: yeah thank you i'm happy to be here i mean i remember chatting with you like when i was still in new york about like what was going on and all these changes because yeah i mean i've known you a long time man. yeah a dude long time. how long have you, you known you know me i mean
1: yeah. 10 over 10 years
2: uh, yeah we've probably, probably like a, probably a solid been, decade we've been making music we started making music together for 10 years Fuck. yeah
1: yeah and we have a rule that see motherfuckers are gonna know. Uh let them know. First off, we have a rule that any him and I link up to make music, if we're not laughing the entire time, fucking fucking sessions canceled. I feel that we got to be like busting up, dying laughing. I respect that the entire That's time. That's how you know you're making great music. That's a high a great bar. Art period. That's a high
0: bar to set yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have y'all ever canceled a session? No, no. Okay, no. Good, no, no, no. good
2: no, for both of you. Never gets and we there. did some. I mean, do you remember that real bad, that real bad like electro pop remix that we did? We've
1: done some really (laughs) terrible music, like we've actually even produced. So here's a here's a quick story before we get into your story.
2: Uh (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was just gonna turn this on its head. This is gonna be the Roush story.
1: We uh, there was this uh, this singer, and she wanted us to make a beat for her, um, an aspiring singer, but it was terrible. What she wanted was awful and she wanted this like electro pop beat but not even in a cool way like cheesed out style and we're like all right that's what she wants that's what she gets <laughs> And just the entire time as we're making it, it was just like such a clown session and she loved it. And it turned out to be oh like, God, like, it. It. like yeah. such a, like if you're going to put the cheesy electro banger vibe in there, <laughs> this was at the top.
3: Yeah. Wow. It was
1: like, like, if it
2: was on the Disney channel, they'd are like, nah, that's too soft.
1: Wow. Really? Yeah. We hit it there.
2: Like,
1: that's fucking wild. But anyway, we'll get there yeah. too. We
2: Ooh. farted on the track. Remember?
0: <laughs>
1: Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's hidden it's hidden in the track. Stop
0: that. It's, Stop that. It's literally. It there. I fucking love that.
2: That was a Stop that, that. that's that's
1: been a secret for five years. That's the
0: greatest thing I've ever heard. Single-handedly.
2: As I've heard it being said, <laughs> that's mama talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Now y'all know.
2: Look how red this dude is yeah. getting.
1: It. <laughs> because it's so real. Like we straight up, <laughs> it's it's hidden in the track. What the fuck! I'm glad that's how we're starting this podcast.
0: Yo, Yo fun, uh, boat farted on the track.
1: It was we picked the best one and placed that in under like a. But kick honestly,
2: throw. I'm here to talk about how seriously I take my art, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, guys. Podcast is done. That was enough. Nice <laughs> Oh, uh, and
2: most people probably uh, won't
1: even listen to the whole I'm just, thing I'm just mentally, hey, mentally going back to that moment Of like how we were crying as that was happening And we just <laughs> let it be and it was still fire
2: Dude, at that time I had I was like this beautiful, massive, ridiculous studio in Santa Monica oh, With it was Adam So nice And we made that track at my house
3: Yeah <laughs> I feel you <laughs>
0: yeah. I feel you
2: Because we could It was very close <laughs> to home
1: as we could tell
0: guys
2: were really
1: comfortable. Oh, my God. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, it was great. Now, talking about home, man, let's, uh, let's take it back, man. Um, let's start from the beginning. You know, growing up, your fellow Angelino yeah. mm. from birth, yeah. and specifically Beverly Hills. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about Beverly Hills is that, you know, most people throughout the world see only one side of Beverly Hills. And usually the side they see in, in movies or 90210 or uh, the glam rich lifestyle, basically anything like North of Sunset. But that's how they picture all the Beverly Hills. Yeah. But being from there, talk about starting out as a kid growing up and, and what that was like in the, in the early stages.
2: Yeah, sure. So I was born in St. John's in Santa Monica. My parents were living in Sherman Oaks at the time. Uh, we, moved to, we moved to Beverly Hills uh, when I was three. And the house that I grew up in is the same house my dad grew up in. Wild. It's insane.
1: Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. Holy fuck.
2: So, I mean, my dad grew up, kind of bounced all around Los Angeles. My dad. I'm, so, not only am I from Los Angeles, my dad's from Los Angeles. Like, we're, like, from here.
1: And that's, and that's actually super rare. See, my parents aren't even from here. So it's like to get a double generation at your stage is super rare, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So,
2: yeah, I mean, we can get into my dad's story later, but yeah. So growing up in, I, for all intents and purposes, I grew up in Beverly Hills my whole life. Right. Um, And when you're growing up as a kid, like you don't know any better. I just like, you know, I've listened to a lot of your shows and I think different than a lot of the guests on your shows. Like, I didn't have that hard of an upbringing. I'm not going to front like word. I was from the hood. Yeah. Like I grew up like, you know, west of Robertson. Like, yeah. You, know, you, like, you were
0: born in the possibility. Yeah, exactly. We weren't rich. Yeah. I didn't
2: want for anything. Yeah. I, I I didn't, we didn't struggle. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I think that in itself we can get to like leads to, for lack of a better word, the possibility, yeah. right? Yeah. But then a lot of that also comes from from my parents, which we can talk about. Um, but growing up in Beverly Hills, n- n- until you start to get older and, and formulate thoughts on your own and, and think about the what we were actually talking about before this all started, is like yeah. that perspective, right? Yeah, and the way that people that you think that people see you. Yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, you know, there's times you're not gonna lie. Like I'm sure you feel it's like. You maybe don't want to say that you grew up in Beverly oh, Hills. Oh, dude, no. there, there
1: was a time I was yep. so embarrassed, like, when I went to college. That's, really? Like, when I first went to college, they had this, this is this, this really, like, the first time I experienced it, and went to college, and I go to my dorm, and they had your name and the city you were from, <laughs> on, like, right outside, in the hallway, like, right on your door. Yeah. And it's like, you know, my roommate, like, Pat White, Huntington Beach, Joe Roush, Beverly Hills. I was like, ooh It's a fuck boy. That's coming down. Yeah. <laughs> that's coming down. And you know, it wasn't until like later that you just it's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, but for some reason you you get that feeling when you're older. Why? You know, it's it's similar to like when we've heard of people growing up in the hood and they don't really know it until they get that perspective later, like, yeah. oh shit. Later I realized it was terrible neighborhood. Yeah. But growing up as a kid, you don't really realize that. On the flip side, it's kind of how it was if you were just a normal, even like blue collar kid living in Beverly Hills. And what a lot of people don't know about Beverly Hills, especially south of Beverly Hills, is that it's mostly um just either apartments or just normal houses. And a lot of people are just blue collar workers. Yeah. And my family, for instance, move there because of the education. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that too in Beverly Hills where people just mm-hmm. move there. Exactly. They'll they'll have like um, three kids sharing one room just yeah. so they can go to the school. Yeah. So you don't see this extreme. Um, you do ex- see the extreme level of wealth, but you also just see very just like anywhere else um, in all parts of the country, just very normal kids. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but no one wants to talk about that because that's boring, right? I feel you. It's like, oh, look, there's normal kids playing basketball. <laughs> Yo, great. No one cares, you know. So you are going to talk about all, like, all this, yeah, perceived in the media, and like, per that same conversation, is like that the world is looking at Beverly Hills because the world has heard of Beverly Hills, right? absolutely. The same way the, w- the world has heard of Compton, right? Yeah, one has one perspective, one has a different perspective. Absolutely. And anyone, unless you're living there, you don't know anything about what's going on there. Yeah. Right. True story. So um, and that's the only comparison I'll make to Beverly Hills and Compton. Yeah. Respect. Except for the fact that we're both in the middle of this massive city Absolutely. and everyone's passing through everywhere.
0: Absolutely.
2: Right. Like Beverly Hills is in the middle of Los Angeles. Yeah. And I'm not trying to claim like, well, that's because that makes it think we get everything. But you're in the middle of, lo- of yeah. one of the biggest cities in the world. right? Absolutely. So growing up with with that, like I grew up just Playing sports every day. That was my that was my life. I just wanted to play sports. I played what, every what, single sport. What
0: was like the the the, the family life like? Like how were you, like your mom and dad and the, like in, in so the crib interaction?
2: I again different than I think a lot of the the guests that may have been on or at least the 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 number of shows that I've listened to is like and and I I feel that it's unfortunate that I have to put it this way, but it's like I feel ridiculously incredibly lucky. I had the best parents. I currently still do have the best parents. Bang. My parents are completely in love. They showed my brother and I how to love, how uh. to like grow properly. They, yeah. they raised us both properly. That's fucking incredible. We're, we're smart. We're gentlemen. We're, we're you know, talented. Like, yeah. We love our family. We're super close. Yeah. You know, my parents are just the fact that my parents are still together, unfortunately, is something super rare. And I feel, Absolutely I feel really, like, lucky that I had that.
1: You One know? Trillion and and your parents are just beautiful people. Like, the nicest people. Mm. That's, that's the other part of it, too, is, like, just, you, like, I mean, your dad is, is amazing, and your mom, I mean, it's just, like, they are just the nicest, warm, welcoming people to everyone instantly. Mm. Um, and, that, and like you said, it's unfortunate, because that, that has to kind of be a rare thing sometimes.
2: Yeah. It's like, thank you. And I I appreciate that statement. And I feel the same way. Like I feel so lucky. And that goes into allowing me to then later in life be, go on and just like be artistic. Mm. I want to just go like be an artist, you know, and having that support system from your family, just being like, okay, we, we support you in, in not necessarily a, a monetary sense but yeah sort of just like we're a spiritual sense. We're, yeah. here we, we're here for you we're here for you can, as parents you can do anything that yes. you want right yes. we all that's what
1: any parent and for a lot of parents th-
0: that concept is hard because at the end of the day you, you'll never know what being a parent's like until you're a parent right there's no fucking hand like there's all these books there's no handbook for the shit but even the parents that like, are always there for their kids, but when it comes time to that career choice, like, some of them may be iffy, because it's like, parents just want their kids to be independent and happy, and a lot of the creative paths that some of us, like, choose to take don't end up there at all, like, the ones that, whether they're working and they're happy or whether they reach superstardom, it's an anomaly, you know what I mean, and 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 for parents, I feel like it's like a big guard for them to be like, no, don't go down there, or it becomes a big thing. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, were your parents in the creative world as well?
2: No. So my mom ran one of the largest non for profit vocational services in in LA County. Got it. JVS for close to forty years. She actually just wow. retired last year. Mama. Shout out. Ma- my mama made it. My mama <laughs> Enjoy made it. that retirement. My. You um, made it. She's one of the most incredible women on planet earth. Mm. Um, and of course, everyone's going to say that about their mom, but she yeah. like literally dedicated her life to just, she just helped people
1: just literally helps people, she just helps people, get, people. That's get jobs. Her.
2: That's fucking incredible.
1: And plus, I mean, that's just like such a basic yeah. way of that's saying the the it, but it's the most basic way that I can function. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but dedicated her life to that. Like, that's just, that's, again, going back to the type of person you yeah. have to be, it's like, that's what you, your life mission is, and that's what you make, it, and that's mm. what you dedicate your life to is giving, you know? Yeah. And helping.
2: And then my dad, I mean, in his own way, my dad is super artistic in his own way. But for a career, my dad, like, before he moved to the house where he grew up, and he kind of, like I said, bounced around all around Los Angeles and spent a fair amount of time. Um, by the beach yeah, and just wanted to be in the ocean
0: Word. and grew up in
2: Southern California kid growing up in like the fifties and sixties and you just want to go surf. Yeah. Know? Um, and so he took that into his career and he, he ran the fish department at the natural history museum in downtown. Wow. So my dad was a Marine biologist essentially technically an ichthyologist, but like every kid grows up says, well, I want to be a Marine biologist. That's what my dad did.
0: That's fucking epic. Yeah. Just
1: like loves fish, that's what he does. He just loves fish, he just loves the ocean.
0: Yeah,
2: (laughs)
1: that's (laughs) lit as fuck. Yeah, it's amazing.
2: Yeah, he just wants to be by the ocean. Wild. So why not, right? Yeah. He didn't make a ton of money. Like, let's, I'll be super real. Like, my mom was the breadwinner. Yeah. You know, my dad was the coach. He like, he didn't, he took a job where he didn't have to be at work a hundred hours a week and he could, he be could spend dad. time with, with my brother and I, yeah. and he could be dad. And he coached every single one of our teams, every team. He was at every game. Wow. He cooked dinner every night. He taught Steve and I how to cook. Steve is my brother. Yeah. You know? And I think that's where both he and I got it from a young age. like, I love to cook. And that came from my dad showing us how to cook. Wow. Cause he was able to be around to do that. Cause he made that a priority in his life. Yeah. He's like, I don't care. And him I, and your it, mom but, had that understanding. And that was that understanding. That, that was that, that, um, yeah. that synergy there. Yeah. And that didn't seem weird. It yeah. shouldn't be weird. No. Right. Like, that's what we're all still fighting for, right? For like some sort of equality. Yeah. Like, it
1: doesn't have to be.
0: Why? Like, what? The roles don't need
1: to there, be. There isn't
0: such a. Yeah. It's a unit. Right.
1: right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Apartments.
2: Yeah. Very. <laughs> so true. So I got to see that. My dad loves gardening. He'd be like out in the back, just like. Playing with
3: planting roses. It's wild because you know like, making speaking, chicken.
0: Like you speaking of your dad, it's very hanging similar. Hanging out in the water. It's very similar to that dynamic because my mom was a breadwinner. And my dad was like Zen master. You know what I'm saying? Like loving dude, cook crazy gardens. Now you know what I mean? Like super calm. My mom's a fireball. But like, what 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 were kind of your 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 passions and and I mean. You, so it it seems that you just grew up in a household that it, uh, things were just it, it, you were you just always encouraged to to get after it to find what you you enjoyed like what was that
2: I mean so all right Steve and I talk about this a lot okay and I'm sure my dad's gonna listen to this but that's fine
0: he damn well better
2: um you know there's we were encouraged to yeah we could do whatever we wanted. Not in a sense where it's like, I oh, yeah, go to the park and tag up the park and then yeah. you know lit on fireworks. Get like, son. Yeah, no, get no. but like if we wanted to play a sport, like you could play that sport. You wanted to go do this or that, and you wanted to sing or you wanted to whatever. Most of it was geared towards sports because that's just what Steve and I loved, and that's what my dad loved, and that's what little boys do, right? Yeah. Before there's, you know, phones in your face. All Absolutely, the time. You go outside and you just play sports. Yeah, little yeah. league,
1: AYSO, yeah. YMCA, we just ball, did, all, like, we all, did all, that. all of it. That's that's what you, you, know? you do. Yeah. 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 Word.
2: And like I said, my dad was the coach. And so clearly we got that reinforcement from him. Did he like drive it down our throat? Just like practice, 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 practice. No. Word. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's not. Maybe yeah. it is you know, what it is. Maybe we would have been better athletes if we had been pushed harder. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I would have been better at music if I had been forced to play piano when I was three. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, still, I still distinctly remember my brother took piano lessons. And my parents wanted to get me to, to take piano lessons. And I was like, I don't want to play piano. I want to play drums. Drums are way cooler than <laughs> piano, you know? And let's keep real, like,
0: come on. They're, they're for <laughs> sure fucking cooler than piano.
2: But the piano is essentially like the ultimate instrument. You can play piano, Absolutely. you understand music, yeah. and you can kind of play everything, especially yeah. now with like synthesizers that can play every instrument. But my, my parents were pretty adamant on that. They're like, no, Matt, like, Learn to play the piano, learn to read music. And once you understand, then you can venture off and go play other instruments. Mm. And me being a stupid kid, as stupid kids say, I was like, no, I just want to play the drums. Yeah.
1: And his dad is a bass player.
2: Word. But But at this time, I didn't know any of that. Growing up, like we listened to a lot of music. There was definitely music being played in our house. Okay. But my dad, yeah, which I found out way later in life through my own venture into music is just this like multi-instrumentalist can play just about anything just like doesn't know how to can just pick up an instrument and start playing it super uber talented his dad was a was a professional musician my my grandfather who I never met he passed away when when my dad was really young yeah he played in all these like big band he played like saxophone and clarinet he played in a bunch of big band jazz bands
0: oh that's fucking lit
2: um and so my dad definitely grew up around music and learned to play all these instruments and played in a bunch of like high school bands and was that 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 was you know he was into that yeah and so when they were trying to get me to play music i was just like i just want to play drums i just yeah. want to bang on things and like yeah, yeah. I, I have i have rhythm i just want to like like listen. Yeah. To, you know um but you know we got into that they wanted me to play piano i want to play drums so then it never happened right Word. and so i just grew up playing sports and that was really just my focus but with in within that i had their i had their full praise hey mm. you want to just go play sports play play sports oh you happen to be pretty good at at baseball you should maybe pursue baseball so and that and that was really it like up until i got into high school like all of my time all of my summers camps leisure time was sports sports sports, sports sports. music was never a a thing other than just like something we listened to around the house or in in the car on on a long drive got it um i didn't know that yeah oh it wasn't around it wasn't really around that's interesting. Yeah, my dad didn't. I didn't know that my dad was like that deep into music until I started to, on my own showing interest in it. That's mm-hmm. wild. Like, yeah. so he
0: didn't just like instruments around the house, just pick it up. No, start- because if
1: you go to, the, I mean, I don't know what the house is now, but if you would go to their house in the last recent years, he had a room with like four bases hanging from the wall. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. No, I
3: mean, <laughs> like, like, he literally
2: like we turned when. When my brother and I moved out of the house, yeah, my room became like an office, guest room, whatever, yeah. you know, and then Steve's room became like the music room. Wow. And I like had a rack of records that I leave there because I have too many records that they just can't fit in my house anymore and they just got to put them wherever I can put them, yeah. you know? Um, and then, yeah, it was just like, my dad's got, you know, a couple different amps and then like, you know, six string guitars and bass guitars just everywhere. That's epic.
1: And what was the dynamic of like between you and Steve? Man, you're the older. I'm the older brother. You guys is because yeah. um, in so many ways, I think you guys are so different. Yes, you know, knowing both of you, and actually, your brother's in my grades, so I knew your brother before I actually knew you. Yeah, and um, so what what was your guys's dynamic growing up together?
2: I mean, we were we were pretty close, like any brothers. Like, of course, we fought, and there was just like petty stuff we never got in any real fights never like we you know we had stupid brother stuff and whatever We can like little altercations and we'd wrestle and all that kind of stuff and we were definitely very competitive Mm. that's for sure because we were both super athletic yeah and wanted to do good at sports you know and like but for those of you that know my brother he's substantially bigger than I am right
3: like (laughs) yeah
2: by the time he was twelve, he's essentially the size he is now. Yeah, his brother's
1: what, like six four or six two?
2: Six, like six two?
0: Wait, what the fuck? He was twelve and six two? Yeah. <laughs> what in God's He was name? definitely north
2: of six feet by the time he was 12. by the time thirteen, yeah. And so by that time, like I'm what, fifteen? And I'm like in my like peak high school athlete physical condition and my brother's just punking me and from that point on from 12 until the rest of history you know steve's gonna be better than me at sports and that's just what it's gonna be right
1: just from size and
2: (laughs) as a 15 year old kid you fucking hate that Uh, fuck uh, right he's all of a sudden bigger faster stronger everything (laughs) you know and as the big brother it's like oh well shit you know I, i used to i used to be able to at least run faster yeah. Like I was always really fast, but then once Steve started really training and going on to play, my my brother played football UCLA. So once you go into a program like that, I mean, come on, I'm, I'm, it's
1: over. Right? Yeah, you just like He's a super
2: size. He's a machine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the dynamic between us was we were we were brothers. You know, we were we were close. We never got in like really big fights. But we were competitive, like, yeah. and, and I think it was in the best way. But I will tell you, when I moved away, so my freshman year of college, I left and went to University of Arizona. Why? I have no fucking idea. I just wanted to like, leave Los Angeles. I was just ready to get out of LA. I didn't know anything about that school. I never visited the campus. I was just like, oh, this is somewhere that's like far, far enough away. Like, I'm just going to go there. I just don't want to be here anymore. Like, I'd grown up playing baseball my whole life and all these other sports. And I was a decent baseball player in high school. I had a really good junior year. My senior year kind of fell off. I had offers to like go play at like smaller D3 schools around Southern California. Oh, really? I didn't know. And like, I could have made that happen. And it was mm. like, yeah, but like for what? You know, I was just like, I don't, I'm just sick of it. I've been playing baseball every day since I was like seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't want I just didn't want to do it anymore. Was
0: there something that like looking back at it now, you can say, you know what? I just wanted to kind of leave Los Angeles. Was there something that made you want to leave? Looking, because I know in those moments, right? In those moments, you never it's, know. It's either like, okay, I want to go here, or your your ideal school is NYU, and you've always wanted to go there. Sometimes for kids, it, it's either I just want to leave this area and experience college, or I want to stay close to home. Because for me, I like literally, I never thought. It's wild. I, I never thought of, like, all these other schools. Like, for me, being from California, it was always UCLA, Berkeley, or USC, right? And then when I start, like, in touring and going to these different colleges, like, I went to uh, University of Indiana, and I'm like, bro, this fucking shit's lit. You did a tour there? Yeah, like, well, me and David went on the road there. And, like, oh, we, oh, 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 we, oh, when we were you in went Blo- there. Yeah, we are oh, in Bloomington, I see, yeah. and I was like, fuck, like, this college town rocks. Like, what the fuck? What was I thinking?
2: Yeah, we don't really get that in Los Angeles. I mean, no, USC. It's all commuter schools. Yeah, that's not a community. Yeah, fuck you. even Westwood.
0: Really <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real though, they're all all of them are commuter schools, yeah. except Santa Barbara.
1: Right. Yeah. Santa yeah, yeah.
0: Barbara's kind of more like super college town.
2: Sure. I'm talking about Southern California. Yes. In Los yes. Angeles, Yes.
0: you're damn right.
2: Yeah, like that. You're not. Yeah, it's not. It's not like that. No, you know not I mean? at all. Um, but so I, honestly, like, I I have thought about it, and I I look back at that time in my life. Yeah, there wasn't like a. I'll be real up front. I, w- I didn't get the best grades in school. Word. I'm not an idiot. I'm not a genius. I just didn't get great grades. I wasn't good at taking tests. Yeah. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. And so. I didn't necessarily have an opportunity to go to Cal Berkeley, right? I didn't even bother applying. Like Got that it. wasn't that wasn't in the cards. Yeah. And so, I just I just knew that I just there was something I, I honestly don't know mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. I just knew I needed to leave, and maybe that goes on to me wanting to go move to New York and like do these other things and just and you know travel. You and just felt like tour. there was and something like you had to do. To go. Yeah, I just needed to go. And I love Los Angeles. Yeah. I love it. This die is, die it's hard. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, you know, but I, I needed, I I wanted perspective. You got to right. have perspective. Absolutely. No, I, I, I think that's really what it is. At the yeah. time, I didn't really realize that it's like, I need to broaden my horizon. <laughs> but <laughs> man, you but could now be, looking back on it. Yeah.
1: Like, you could be in a really huge bubble here in LA. Absolutely. It's the worst. Absolutely. Like, the worst. You you, Especially you, you Los Angeles. It, it, it totally gets really hit. monotonous very, very fast, you know. When L.A. is your home, I tell this to people all the time, like, oh, what's it like growing up in L.A.? I'm like, it's probably the exact same, like how it's pretty much anywhere. After a while, you kind of get over a lot of the stuff, and it's just, it's like, what's L.A.? It's my family. It's my work. It's my friends. Yeah. Just like any other. Something like this. Yeah. It's just like any other city. Routine, routine. Yeah. I got to go to the supermarket the same way you do. Like, it's just, it's it's the same I got my cleaners. I got my market. Yeah. I got my gym. Yeah. And then a place like uh, Arizona or when I went to Santa Cruz, like, I was like, oh, this is different. Like. Yeah. People do things differently here. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's
2: just a whole bunch of new people that you don't know. You can go just be whoever you want. Yes. Right. You can just like. I'll do anything. Like what was I'm it? anyone.
0: Yeah, I feel that. And when
2: you're 17 years old, it's like, oh yeah, I I'm can go. dig that. I'm go just do some be different. Like I don't want to just be Matt who Grew up playing baseball on the pier. Like yeah, you know? everybody maybe that's in not the not city I Was at the time. I didn't know that. But yeah, maybe that's it. Was just like I needed something fresh.
0: Word. How was that experience for you?
2: Arizona was a strange experience, but that.
0: Well go deeper into that. Like fuck that. So the-
2: in in that, okay. in the wanting to gain perspective. Okay. If I hadn't gone to Arizona, my whole my whole life would be different. One trillion. Going to percent. Arizona completely changed my whole life in the most unbelievable way. So I moved to Tucson in nineteen ninety-eight. I'm seventeen years old. Um and
0: yeah you were young when you graduated high school. There, yeah, too. I was
2: young. My birthday was December, so I was I I was supposed to be a grade below, but I was the, it was like on that cusp. Yeah, that,
1: that cut off. So we actually. Yeah.
2: So when I was in kindergarten, we lied on my on my on my like transcripts because the the cutoff, and I'll we'll never forget the cutoff is December third. My okay. birthday. So if you're born before December third, you're okay. in the higher grade. If you're born after December third, you're in the lower. grade. That's where it yeah cuts it. <laughs> Because that's when you go on like winter break and that's yeah. when they like yeah. my birthday is December 16th. On those transcripts, my parents omitted the six and said that my birthday was December 1st. Wow. So that I could be in a higher grade.
1: Oh, that's wild. So
2: I was I was always the youngest in my grade. Always. Can you imagine if they
0: didn't do that, your life would be completely different? I have
2: no idea. So
1: ambiguity. there's actually people in your grade that are literally a year older than you. A whole year older. Like than a whole
0: me. year old. Yeah, he's like 17 yeah. in Arizona. I was like, oh, really?
2: <laughs> Seven I mean
0: my senior year, my
2: senior, <laughs> put this in perspective. That's to, a
0: fucking book, 17 in Arizona. Yeah. My senior year of high school,
2: I stopped playing football for the rest of my career when I was sixteen years old. Mm. I never played football after being sixteen years old. I was not a grown man at no. sixteen years old. I'm playing against dudes that are eighteen Yo. years old. Eighteen years
1: old, and yeah, yeah and, and not from Beverly Hills.
0: You know. <laughs> <I feel laughs> yeah. Man Childs, yeah. Let's bring Compton back. Yeah Let's bring yeah. Compton back Because I mean We played them
2: yeah. We played Centennial We played Morningside
0: <sighs> Dorsey
2: Dor- Those dudes are not Playing around No Yeah
0: They're going to college On scholarship Yeah Yeah And you're 16 And
2: I'm 16 She's Getting whoop whapped little play. skinny white kid 140 <laughs> pounds Were <laughs> you safety
1: or linebacker? I was safety Safety Yeah, wow. yeah.
2: I was about to say Linebacker Linebacker Yo. Come on man
1: Our
2: team wasn't that bad Yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they might be that bad now. Yeah. Ugh.
3: I said it. I said
0: it. What was Arizona like for you?
2: Um, I didn't like it. I felt out of place. Like, University of Arizona, you're either, if you, I mean, that's like a major sports college. Yeah. Right? Like, major D1, Pac-10 college. Oh, yeah, college. huge. If you're not playing sports... Or in a fraternity, it's like a massive fraternity there. If you're not doing one of those two
0: things, you're
2: an you're, you're, you're the minority for sure. You're not
0: doing anything. So you're, you're in the middle of the desert. So with did nothing you not to want do. to
1: join? Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I just never. Well, was, what was
0: it like? Because I, I want to. Because look, like we, we go through this as kids, right? Like, join a frat. Don't join a frat. This, I just that, the never other. Never
2: wanted to do it. It just got it. Like in my. But mind, you also knew that not by super, not doing it, you were like Gucci.
0: completely on the outside then. I guess
2: after, after that, I was just like, oh, okay, I, I got nothing to really do. So, oh, these days are smoking pot. That's cool. Like, word. sorry, mom and dad, but like, yeah, that was a lot of what Arizona was. And I knew that. I knew that when I was there.
1: Did you know people there? I didn't know anybody. So, you're just there in the middle of the desert alone.
2: In the middle of the desert alone with my roommate who was fucking weird. <laughs> and I didn't like him at all. But, <laughs> <No>. But... <laughs> My, like, I was just like this is the what am I fucking doing here now you know Yo. I know you're
1: listening now you know, you now know. You know. you're
2: weird dude you're weird <laughs> like weird's fine I'm weird but like that dude was out there wild um, and he's just like that so that's the first time I was like I have to now share this tiny little space with this dude that I don't know and I really don't like Yeah. okay that's fine and the way that the dorms were set up there was it was sort of like a suite. So it was like two people in one room and then like a little bathroom and then two people in another room. So yeah. like four people sharing a mm-hmm. Okay, My suite mate uh, was a guy named John from New Orleans. And he and I like instantly hit it off. John and I became really close friends. The reason why Arizona was such a turning point in my life was John. So I started Arizona in what after this was so like September or October. That Christmas for, for Christmas John got a set of turntables from his mom. And so he, he moved off campus. I don't know where the money came from. I I didn't ask. I didn't care. He moved off campus into this little apartment on like right off Speedway, which is like the main street in Tucson. Mm. And he had like a bed and some decks. And he was like, yo, you want to like, he's like, we were both super into like underground you know, this is like late 90s. Like rave culture is like big at that time, Word. right? <laughs> it really yeah. was. That's when it was like starting to hit in, Straight up. in the US after it was in, in you know, in Europe. Yeah. And so we were like both really into that, like deep into drum and bass, deep into underground hip hop. And like he, he was like, we were really vibing on that kind of music. So when he got these turntables... Like, hey man, you want to start just like he's like. I don't know how to use these things, but my mom knows that like I'm super into this like kind of DJ culture thing. Yeah, and so I like she got me these turntables. You want to just like I don't know. You want to do it together? It's like hell yeah. There's one record store on Speedway, and I went and started just like I went and just bought like I don't know 25 records, and it was like honestly, it was like west coast underground like gangster rap word <laughs> and then like dirty ass drum and bass
1: word and that was it you were
0: like on the eclectic outskirts then
1: yeah and were you were you like big into music just in general like as a listener yeah absolutely and okay. it i
0: was like i was listening
2: to like pretty much pop pop rock and roll hip hop like i was just like listening to like
1: general music i mean my dad like was definitely because there was you know there was kids who like would like as kids, you make it a part of your lifestyle. You would go and to record stores, hang out there and make music a big part of it. Were you like that or just more like no. a general, at the time, just a general listener? Just a
2: general, just a general listener. But like, I always, I like, I really did like this like kind of underground dance scene, mm. you know? And like, there's reasons why people like those things. And I'm not going to say that that's not part of the reason, but like, a lot of it was like, I really liked the music. Like, I was just like into it. I like, I like, music that's like really emotional mm-hmm. and i even i knew that back then like hard ass drum and bass is really fucking emotional and that emotion is aggression right when you're a 17 year old kid like oh it's, is that you, angst yeah, aggression you have just, like you just want to listen to that like yeah maybe it's punk rock maybe now it's dubstep but for me it was drum and bass yeah you know and then like Underground hip hop because we grew up in California like that's what it was right yeah. the underground hip hop scene here was amazing at the time you know in the late nineties early two thousands like all this underground hip hop was killing it and
1: it, yeah it's crazy because it was
2: and like then, like the coming off all that like West Coast gangster that's what I was gonna say music. like all
1: we had like such a strong West Coast hip hop scene here and I, I'm realizing more and more New York was really known way more for hip hop overall. Yeah. Then L.A., but from being in this fucking bubble, for us, West Coast hip-hop was super, 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 super. integral and yeah. in, integrated into this. And it was like, I mean, Dre, the Dog Pound, Snoop. Yeah, I mean, that was like, everywhere. Everywhere. Deep, corrupt. Yeah, I mean, in deep, like it's like Spice quick,
2: One and like spice Too one. Short and, and like... E forty and all that stuff. Yeah, even like even from like the, the banger. Yeah, 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 like the hieroglyphics crew and like all that kind of stuff. And Mac even Dre. like yeah, like all that like <sighs> super West Coast gangster shit. And that know? stuff was
1: so good.
2: Like I bought the Bloods and Crips banging on wax on oh cassette. Oh my gosh! Like I was the white kid from Beverly Hills and that like, <laughs> like bought the the like gangster rap album.
1: It's and a lot of people don't know like yeah. There was the Bloods and Crips made an album. That they was made the group, and that shit Bloods was funky Crips. as fuck. So good, so good. And the whole G funk and, and all the the huge part of funk yeah. music really shaped the sound. And for us, as you know, white kids from Beverly Hills, it still spoke to us in that way. And it wasn't like I, I never felt personally like it was a glorified thing. It just what was going on. It was the sound of the city, and it was everywhere, and it was what you identified with. Mm-hmm. You know, as a kid growing up in the city where you experienced the riots, you experienced um, that gang influence here, even living in the area of Beverly Hills, it was still an influence. Um, And like you said, it was crossing through, It, it was in Santa Monica, in East LA, in, you know, on sunset, when sunset used to be cruising. Mm-hmm. Like during high school, mm-hmm. sunset was all about cruising mm-hmm. tons of low riders. That was the, the big thing until mm-hmm. they put that um, the, the no cruise zone. Yeah. And that was
2: an actual thing.
1: Very actual thing. And um, so like the influence of it.
2: Yeah. And that's coming off the heels of like the movie that everyone's now seen of like, you know, the, the NWA movie. And like, that's like after all that had just split up, cube's doing his thing. And Dre's just started working the death row and like Pac is popping. And like, it's like the heyday for West Coast. Yeah. You know, hip hop.
1: No, it, it was huge. And, um, and that's just like an interesting perspective and also just perception of it didn't kind of matter where you lived or where you're from. You, you felt that. And it, yeah. was, it was still a part and, and still very important to a, what it meant to grow up as a kid in L.A. Um, now taking that, going back from sure. that tangent, and going back to Arizona. To Arizona, yeah. So you see these turntables... What's what's your instinct? What's your feeling?
2: I just started like... Well, I remember John and I went to this record store and I wish I could remember what the name of it was, but I, but I don't. It might have just been called Speedway Record. It was like on Speedway. It was like the only record store in Tucson. In Tucson, there's nothing there, man. There's nothing there. And maybe it's different now. I haven't been there since 1999, but I don't really have any desire to go back. Not a negative. It wasn't a bad place. Yeah. I just... I don't need to go there. Um, but... Yeah, John just he would he bought a stack of records. I bought a stack of records and we just started fucking around. We didn't know anything. There wasn't YouTube. There wasn't Scratch Academy. Like there was no way to learn how to DJ other than like I mean, you know, Hubert had was like doing his thing and like there was like some sort of tutorials, but that wasn't like a real thing. Like he was putting out weird sugar videos and it was just like some weird geeky turntablist nerdcore, you know? Yeah. And we just, I just started messing around with it. I didn't know what I was supposed to even do. Mm-hmm. You know, you pick up a guitar and it's like, okay, one hand does this and one hand strums and it's like, oh, okay, that's how I can, oh, that's a chord. You know, it's like, that's totally. not even a thing. Totally. There's no sheet music. There's nothing.
1: No. And this was like, even during the time of, uh, wow, it's getting windy here. Yeah. <clears throat> this is during the time, or was this before where you had like, Cubert in the Invisible str- Scratch. People. I mean, those
2: guys, That was like r- when those guys were like really starting to become a thing. Like they definitely existed. So
1: the DJ, the b
2: Junkies, and ISP and X Men and like all that. Like
1: yeah, it became that that scratch culture. Yeah. Was, was just starting out during this time. Yeah,
2: that was like so at that time, like that was before hip hop even existed at raves. A, a quote unquote rave party. Oh yeah, was just like dance music. They didn't have hip hop there. There was, like, the hardcore room, the happy hardcore. There was, like, the techno room, and then there was the, like, drum and bass room. Yeah. And then starting in, like, the early 2000s, hip-hop started to become a part of that. And then it was, like, showing off all of these, like, quote-unquote hip-hop DJs who could who could juggle and scratch and do all this kind of stuff. And that that whole scene was, like, really starting to, like, take off in like yeah. 90s, early 2000s. And I got really into that, learned, like scratching and beat juggling and and that whole scene because that just sort of came out of hip-hop
1: and it's so interesting to think you know it's for us it sounds just um normal that's like what you do as a dj but now like even to think about what the definition of a dj is now and it's not like oh my god i I don't want to talk about that yeah but i'm saying it's not like i'm one to say like okay real dj and this that but it's just like the if you understand the term DJing, what the time you were doing it, it was just a different. It was like a different style of music, right? Yeah, it's totally. just like that's just what it was, and um, and it developed into an art. You know,
2: yeah. I mean, you know, i've I've heard people talk about it the same way that people talk about MCing, where it was just like this thing that people did because they were wanted to be artistic, and like express themselves, and then all of a sudden it became this sort of. Th- Thing. And yeah. then the MC is like everything, right? Yeah. And you can say the same thing happened for DJing, where it's like this sort of art form, and you can—it's a positive or it's a negative, however you want to look at it. And it's just like people doing it because they really love it and they want to express themselves and they want to—they want to show off the records that they have that no one else has. Yeah. And that was really a big thing at the time. So it was that like, that, oh, I got that shit on vinyl. Yeah. Damn. What is that? Oh, I'm not—you can't—you don't even know what that is. That's a,
0: that's a part of the culture, though. Is that's it part not? of the
2: culture. It's like I got that now. Now I got that means nothing. There's, it doesn't mean anything. Everyone has everything, right? Yeah. Music's free. Come on. A-
0: access has changed that. Yeah, yeah.
2: And there's definitely a, a a group of people who have now reverted back to going like all the way back to that, where it's like only play records, only do this. But that's such a even more of a subculture now. Yeah. And like, this isn't me talking about how like the DJ world is changed. Like, the DJ world's amazing. People can get paid six figures for one night to play other people's music. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. But the like deep, true art form is what inspired me to get Mm. into it. And that's what, like, cause I didn't know any better. I was just like, all this music seems awesome. I want to have access to it. I want to touch it. There's something so beautiful and tangible about a record, which is why I started collecting records.
1: It's weird that you didn't discover that earlier. Almost. It's like, it wasn't just wasn't around. Yeah. I was too honestly, I was too busy just playing sports. Yeah. I just play
2: sports, 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 and I was happy doing that. I love sports. I still play sports, you know. Um, but if not for for going back, if not for moving to Tucson and being put in this random room with this random weird ass roommate and my other two sweet mates one of whom i became super close friends with who happened to get turntables that year for christmas yeah and i was just like yo that's cool let's do that that sounds awesome and it's
0: wild because you had no choice in that selection right
2: nothing none like nothing.
0: the administrators of the fucking housing could have done something different and your path may be completely different yeah that's the wild shit like when yeah. you think about like the intricacies of these moments and what they mean it's like you can't control them but they play an influence it's yeah. insane to me i yeah. was in
2: room 529 also never, if i was in room 528
1: nothing
0: oh, everything would be different
2: everything be different you know i would never touch the turntable probably i always wanted to when i was in high school i wanted to be a writer i wanted to be a sports writer that's what i wanted to do really yeah yeah that's what i thought i was going to do um yeah, I was like, oh, if I can't be an athlete, I'm just going to write about sports because I love sports. Sports, 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 sports. That was my whole life. Yeah. And so I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I was a good writer. I still am a good writer. I, I enjoy writing. And like we were talking about earlier, it's just like some sort of creative outlet, right? I yeah. need to have some sort of creative outlet. Yeah. You know, um, whatever that may be. I always enjoyed writing. I still enjoy writing. Yeah. It then turned into into it's music. It's
0: wild to me when when we think about it now in that us as human beings have so many forms of expression right and as we get older it kind of becomes okay we need to focus more we need to like find our thing right and when you start to think about it like being able to express oneself in different mediums is a beautiful thing like something that's done as a hobby doesn't need to be called a hobby to be accepted you know what i'm saying like to be well-rounded and like somebody likes reading or somebody likes writing poetry or this, that, and the other, like you don't have to necessarily be the greatest at it or you don't have to like choose that as a career and have it define you as a person, but it literally just builds your palette as a human being who knows where these types of things will lead you. Right. And I think that plays a big part in your story and I'm jumping ahead like essence wise, but from what i've been from what i've been hearing and just like getting to know it more is that you know you you had a a, a lust for many things right always. You you, always you you had your things that you were really fucking good at because of routines and just because of like the positions you were put into but you also were comfortable in wanting to explore the possibility of other things as well which i think will you know, we'll come to understand later. But like, that's a beautiful thing. It's like, it's okay. Yeah. Because even when we get into like our careers, like a lot of uh, like Betty spoke about self worth with men, right? And I think that ties into self worth with anybody, mm. right? In in that we're we're kind of bound to the restrictions of how we see other people seeing us, yeah. right? And I feel like a lot of people, especially when we start having career talk, it's wild to see when you when you look at it objectively is people talk about their careers as if it's the definition of who they are. Right. We hear all of this shit of like, which is such an American way of thinking. Yeah, it really is. But that type of thinking, like, will put you in a fucking prison. It did for me for the longest time it does for a lot of people but it's like it's crazy because like we know that we're human beings and we're individuals right but like where does that like it gets murky when we start going down a career path and we're like this is what defines me when people ask me what I do I got to be comfortable saying this is what I do this is who I am you're gonna know me right away yeah no there's so much more depth and complexity Mm. to us as human beings you know what I'm saying? And I feel like uh, I love talking about this type of thing because especially for the youth, it's like, look, like, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Be comfortable being uncertain. It's hard, it's, man. It's, it's we talked really, about. It's that word fear, man. It, it is. It's really hard, but, you know, it's wild when, like, you know, for me, I, I really think of it like, you know, rock bottom really helped me realize that. And I almost didn't get the chance to. You know what I'm saying? But, like, Imagine if it wasn't rock bottom that allowed you to be able to be free to explore. It's like rock bottom That's was the exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah,
2: where it's like different. Like when you made that point earlier, and like I said, listening to other things it's like, I didn't do that, and that might sound boring to listen. To. It's like I don't have this like rags to riches story. I was supported. I, my know, parents, no, my parents loved know, me, but and you, were like, "Hey, no, but you know, go but do this." You,
0: you have a story nobody's story is the same. Of course. There are people that grow up in infinite poverty that either excel or fail or hit a medium, right? There are people that grow up in extreme riches that either fail miserably or or, are bound by addiction or like feel a chip on their shoulder because they they came up in wealth and want to do more. There are people that grow up dirt poor that just want to ascend. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody is the same. Everybody's story is special amongst their own world because at the end of the day, we're creating our worlds, man. Like growing up in a household where two parents love one another and two parents like are very supportive of the children and we we know that they're dedicating their lives towards us and, and are willing to give us everything yeah, at exactly. our disposal, that's that's not something to be like, well, you know, other people didn't have that. That's special in and of itself.
1: Yeah. And, and, and think, I'm not apologizing for yeah. that. No, and to think about it, too, if you think like a lot of our guests that have come on this show will provide that for their children. You're damn right. And, they, and it's not something that's why it's like you don't have to be ashamed just because you don't have like a rags to riches story. Mm-hmm. You have a story. Everybody has a fucking story. Yeah. And,
2: and that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying I'm ashamed of my story. I'm yeah. just saying, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping that I can shed light. That's like, Hey, this can be your reality. Straight Straight up, totally. My parents did what we're all trying to do, Straight what everyone up. else is trying to do. They did it. Yeah. You know, they raised two great kids. Yeah. You know, and we're, and we're aware of that. We're aware of what they did. Absolutely. And that doesn't, ha- that doesn't come until you're, until you're grown.
0: Yes. You realize that. Absolutely, when you're bro. a
2: little kid, it's like, oh, there's mom, there's dad. Yeah, you know, hopefully, right? Hopefully, yeah. there's mom, there's dad.
0: Absolutely.
1: Whew. Yeah, you dig what I'm saying? <laughs> you dig. So going back to uh, to your you're indulging in music for the first time, yeah. which is still like tripping me out. That
2: it took it was it took me that long.
1: Imagine how, like you don't realize what your passion is or what your actual love is until. You've lived for 17 years to just discover that, thinking you're this is your identity, you know, this athlete, and then you're into something like so artful as music. And music has that ability to just touch people and, and connect in that way. But for you, it was more than just the music, you're, it's the whole culture now. And it becomes a different side of you that's opening up. Take us through that being in Arizona and alone you're not in a frat, you're not an athlete, but now you have music. Did you start to belong in a certain sense there?
2: Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I had, you know, like three friends in Arizona, you know, I didn't wow. have like a bunch of friends that I paid for to like be my brothers. And then like yeah. a bunch of girls that are going to like sleep with me. Cause I'm like friends with these dudes and we get them drunk. And yeah, so that was my mentality of like, yeah. what a frat was. And I was like, I don't, i need a, I'm not paying for that. Yeah. You know? Um, but then, yeah, I just like dove headfirst into music and I like wanted to just consume. Mm. I just wanted to like eat all of it. All right. I wanted to learn everything. I wanted to, and like,
0: why, you know, do, you, why do you think that was?
2: I, I just I fell in love with it. Word. I just totally fell in love with it. Word. I just got it. Like yeah. I said, it, like, I touched the turntable and it made sense. I just mm. got it. Like, it probably took me, I don't know, a couple months to like actually mix a record. You know, where now a kid can mix a record, he's like 11 years old, and <laughs> yeah. you we're know, yeah. like doing behind-the-back juggling. <laughs> and You know, like, it took me a couple months. And, like, I've taught at a DJ school. I teach kids how to do this shit in, like, three weeks. Like, if you're not doing wow. it, if you don't graduate after six weeks and you're not mixing records perfectly, like, you didn't fail, I
3: failed. <laughs> For real, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so I, I think I just, I, I like, I needed something to do. I needed something to do, right? And I just, I I loved it. I I loved being part of this, like, subculture that, like, one, it was, like, cool. Yeah. But two, I just got to, like, that's what I wanted to learn. Like I said, it wasn't awesome in school because I wasn't interested in learning about that. Mm. Like, going to history class wasn't that, like, I didn't care about it. But then learning about history through music, and then now through spirits and all this stuff. Like, when you drink a glass of wine, like, that's a geography and history mm-hmm. in that glass. And so now, you know, that started me on the path to like really wanting to like, understand, like, okay, getting a hip hop record and then like reading the credits, like, who produced this? Oh, contains a sample of, what's that? What's a sample of, you know? <laughs>
0: so you're curious. I was just curious. I
2: started just wanting to, I like was, that was what I was reading. And I was reading, I was reading. Mm-hmm you know, record sleeves instead yeah. of, you know, whatever, Mark yeah. Twain, which is may not have been the right move, but that's what I was, you know, I was more interested in that. I mean it was your move. Yeah. Um so that just I just got deeper and deeper and deeper and I just kept going deeper into that into that rabbit hole. Yeah. And you know, I really started to like was really fell in love with hip hop music, you know, and wanted to start to like become part of that more than just like Learning and getting deeper and learning about, I wanted to start like making it, and I was like, "Oh, I want to know how to like how to do this and make it," you know. So after my one year in New York, I left. My Uh, buddy John Arizona, Uh, excuse me, Arizona. Thank you. Um, One year at U of A was gone. It was more than enough. I couldn't. My buddy John left after one semester.
1: Oh wow, he was gone.
2: He couldn't take it, and we were in the same. We was like, "This place sucks." Wild, yeah. Um, And so I, I finished the year. Came back to Los Angeles and really missed playing baseball. Like, really missed it. You know, I thought about, like, trying to try out for the team at U of A. Like, I wasn't approached by them. Like, that's a massive D1 school. Like, let's keep it real. wasn't that good. Yeah. You know? I was like, I didn't even try out. I was just like, I'm just, like, I'm just here to do something different. Mm. But when I came back that summer. You had that itch. I had that itch. I missed playing ball. And so I was fortunate to... Be able to play on what's called a scout league team. Scout league team is the, the team below the minor leagues, right? So I got, to, I was, I was invited, and through somehow was playing for the scout league team for the Dodgers here. Wow, like the, the low, low, lower below the minor league team. Yeah, and a buddy of mine on that team, a dude named Kevin. I don't remember his last name, but he was. I remember he played second base, and he and I just like kind of became buddies. And he's like, "Oh, where do you play? What are you doing?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm at a, at U of A, but I'm not playing ball there. Like, I'm trying to just come back to that. like I don't really want to be there anymore." He's yeah. Like, oh well, you know, if you're not working with a team right now, you should come. Like, you can come work out with us. He was playing ball at like a junior college in the valley, at Valley College. He's like, "Just come work out with us. I'm sure Coach will let you just kind of swing the bat and you know whatever. Yeah, work out with us." I was like, "Okay, that sounds cool." So I went and started working out with with the team over at Valley, and. At the end of the summer, coach was like, "Yo, so what, what? Like, what's your plan? Are you going back to Arizona? Like, are you going to stay in Los Angeles? Like, what are you going to do?" I was like, "Honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't want to go back to Arizona. I want to stay here in LA. But I mean, I, I'm not going to not go to college. Like, in my mind, like, you graduate high school and you go to college. Yeah, like, that's what you do. There uh, is yeah. no like you. That's what you do. Yeah. So he's like, "Well, why don't you just come to school here and you can play ball for us?" And I was like, "That sounds great." So I left Arizona and I transferred to Valley College here.
0: Was there a um, convo with your parents, or like, was it? Yeah,
2: they were. Like I said, they were supportive of Word. it. Word, like you want you miss playing baseball? You want to play baseball? Okay, awesome.
1: You know, wow, awesome. they they knew how unhappy wow. I was. How wow. unhappy I was. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my I mean, it around. may have, it may have been
2: more in depth than that. Yeah, you know, um, I don't necessarily remember all of that, but
3: for like sure, I have my whole life. Yeah, I have their
2: blessing, right? And so. I started playing ball at at um, Valley, and it just turns out right, just as as the world has it. Yeah, Valley College had one of the best jazz programs in the country. The really? jazz program there is the insane. insane. The teacher insane. named Mike Julian. I want to just thank Mike Julian right now. Shout out Mike, Mike Julian. Julian, what up, baby? He's, what it do, boy! That guy, that guy changed everything. Um, because at this time, like, I've been DJing now for, like, a year. So I get home from Arizona, right? I don't have decks anymore because oh. John had the decks. And I got, like, half a crate of records, and I got that itch. So I had my dad drive me, like, I didn't have a car. I just and shout out to Arizona. Kevin
0: No Last Name, the second baseman. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, Kevin. you wouldn't be at Valley right. College if...
2: Right. Some dude named Kevin. I don't know. That's
0: fucking wild, All bro. All these
2: things, right? Um, yeah, and, I, like, I went, and, I went to downtown and bought the, like, Gemini DJ starter pack. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we all know what that is. Yep, like, the fuck, yeah, the Because I didn't, I, I like, I was like, I don't know. This one costs like $350 for everything. I can make that happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I was just like, ding, ding, ding. Okay, I got turntables now. Yeah. Sweet. I just like, I had that, I could scratch that itch. Yeah. But I also really miss playing baseball. Right. So now I'm going playing baseball. I'm going to Valley. And at Valley, it turns out that they have these courses that's like, It. it the, the actual name of the course was like intro to it was like intro to sound or something like that. Something like that. Like And it was like basically a course in like frequency. Like it was nerd level. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. Like I totally nerded out on that. It was like sound reinforcement, sound development, yeah. something sound something. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, how because it was like all based around jazz and it was like how do you position microphones to record like a jazz ensemble to properly record them in like a large space and then how does that like frequency affect how does it go into the microphone and then like learning about like technically like audio engineering essentially yeah and that in my mind, was like the coolest shit I had ever seen. Mm. I was like, this is the like science class I wish I always had. That sounds
1: wild. So, that sounds so boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's wild. <laughs> to most, though, you know what I to mean? To most,
2: that's super boring. It's like you're just plugging things in. That sounds <laughs> fucking lit to me, though. I thought it was the coolest shit ever. Like I'm and as it go into my career, like Joe knows, like I was always into like editing and like that oh, was yeah. like that was my shit.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a super deep world too. Yeah. You know, especially when you understand that science behind it, like just the way sound waves work, vibrations work. Um, it gets super deep into that realm. Yeah, it's insane.
2: So I got to like cut my teeth learning about recording studios, recording jazz. And awesome. that's like all everything, 100% live, right? Yeah. There's no sense. There's no. There's no MPC. There's no drum machines. Like, yeah. Everything is happening right now, and you got to capture that perfectly. And so I got to learn not only about like that music side of it and capturing that music yeah. in that moment, but then like how the back side of it in the studio works, and me being into DJing and like the whole like technical side of it. Mm. That's what like made sense to me, and I loved it. I loved it. And so I was playing baseball everything's fine blah, blah, blah. start taking these like audio engineering classes and then like these jazz classes and then like getting deeper and deeper into like not only learning about jazz but how to record real music yeah, you know and how to mix real music and then still DJing here and there and the DJing starting to take off and I'm starting to like get good at it and like yeah. slowly doing one or two little parties and like I remember getting shit on at parties like just, just it was bad it was oh. hard it was hard man like, really? I, I sucked at first, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember my brother, like, talked some people into, like, hiring me for a party, and I had to, like, bring my dad's, like, home stereo little, like, <laughs> shitty speakers, and, like, the room was really big, and the speakers weren't loud enough, so I tried to turn it up, and I blew the speakers. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> and God. And then, like, I still wasn't really, didn't, couldn't mix real well, but I was super into this underground music, but they just wanted to hear, like, what was on whatever station, yeah. like, yeah. And it was just awful, you want to playing into your audience. There, it was awful. Just, He's trying to, to
1: create like room D at the <laughs> rave. Yeah, like it was just awful. It was awful, and it was like Like super the one that there's, where there's like, yeah. there's, like, there's like there's like four the people. Scene, there, yeah. yeah, there's like four people in there, and they're just like dancing like crazy, <laughs> and the music is loud.
2: Yeah, I mean it. It sucked. I remember. I'll never forget this. Some dude. there was like a two day some party for something. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget, someone came up to me and was like, oh man, he like fronted. me he was like, are you doing the party tomorrow too? And I was like, no, they like, got some other dude. He's like, oh, thank God. You fucking suck. No
3: way. <laughs> <laughs> Run that
0: back.
2: Run that back. So at, at this party, at this party, the, like my first like party that I did, right? With my yeah. dad's speakers that blew. And I'm mixing, I'm like poorly, horribly mixing records that no one gives a fuck about. Um, And the most like pop thing I had was like Slick Rick, you know, and this dude comes up to me like fronting like he was like, cool. He was like, oh, man, are you going to be doing the party? It was a two day thing. He's like, are you doing the party tomorrow, too? And I was like, oh, no, they got uh, another DJ to do the second day or whatever. He's like, oh, thank God you fucking suck.
3: Oh,
2: that I I mean, I still remember it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that hurt that hurt that hurts yeah for sure I'm gonna tell you to your face that you fucking suck (laughs) that like that's like your let me
0: me ask you this at that party and like also knowing like you weren't as equipped but it was a shot right yeah what's going through your head there because like even as a DJ right you're literally you're seeing this happen in front of you like you're spinning records you're not just like and you don't have Serato at this point where you're just like looking at the screen like playing your records like you're feeling it out you're realizing that the, the audience is kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. What's going through your head right there?
2: I'm like, I was I was mostly freaking out about the speaker because everyone's running up and like, it's not loud enough, it's not loud enough. Something <laughs> that's going like. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't know. Plus, I'm like, don't really know how to mix that well. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if they can tell. I can tell. They can't hear it. Hopefully, they just don't hear it. Like, <laughs> like I'm I'm such a oh, cerebral person, and we'll get yeah. to that. Like I I'm like a uber perfectionist. Yeah, and so that allowed me to kind of like really start getting down there. I was like, all right, fuck that. Like every time I do this, now this shit's gonna be fucking perfect. Yeah, I wanted it to be perfect from that point on. Like, anytime I mix a record, anytime I did anything, like it was gonna be absolutely spot on. Like I'm not just gonna half ass it, yeah. you know. And that like like I said, I was. You know, do you, do you eighteen feel like years old. Was a and I remember that. I guess, I guess. I mean, you, you know, everyone needs to get put in their place once in a while, yeah. right? You're damn right. I got put in my place. Not that I thought I was the shit, because I certainly yeah. didn't. Like, I'm a humble dude. Period. But at that moment, I was just like some eighteen-year-old kid, just like trying to get a party cracking. Yeah, but
0: you were mm-hmm. gonna tighten up a lot quicker.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Like I knew I was like, oh, I can't just like do it. Yeah. You know. Um, but so all that was going on and i'm i'm like still trying to have this baseball thing going still like starting to get more into djing and then i ended up getting um in a car accident which like effectively ended baseball forever really
1: what happened with that
2: so i was in uh it was actually not too far from here it was like overland ish what the fuck happened so i was i was uh, in the back seat of my buddy's car so behind the driver right so we're driving we go to turn right and this car behind us just slams right into us right Holy here so as we turn so basically fuck. like I'm sitting at like right at the point of contact underage drunk driver from out of state mm. fast forward nothing happened to her nothing she got like a slap on the wrist <laughs> So essentially, the, look, let's keep it real. I wasn't going to be pro baseball. I wasn't playing for the Dodgers. What? It wasn't going to happen. But I was still effectively playing baseball and loving it in college. Like I loved it. You know, I wasn't playing D1. Yeah. I'm not playing for the yeah. Dodgers, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. loved playing baseball yeah. and I was continuing to do that. So the way that your hips sit when you're normal human, right? Your hips sit like this, right? This is like your pelvis, mm. your spine is here. And there's a tendon that connects your spine to your pelvis, right? Okay. Right here. So instead of my hips sitting like this, mine sit like that. Oh, forward. They're
0: like pushed forward. Permanently.
2: Permanently, all the time. So what what's being done by that is that tendon that connects my spine to my pelvis is constantly being stretched. It's like a rubber band. It's just like this all the time. It didn't snap, so it can't be repaired.
1: Oh shit! It's just
2: oh. being it's pulled a, it's a, all like the time. Limbo. It's just like this all the time, right? You can't swing a bat without your hips, oh, right? Yeah, Fuck, no, that's everything.
0: Baseball's all hips, lightweight, hundred percent.
2: So I was like, all right, it's done. Fuck! Like I said, baseball wasn't going to pay my bills, but I loved it. That's why I had everything I did—it was your fun. That was my fun. That was my sports. But the good thing out of that was trying to do sports and music at the same time is pretty much impossible. Trying to do one of those things all the time is pretty much impossible. exactly. So I took it as like, okay, that's fine. I was done with, I'm done with baseball. Yeah. Great. I'll rehabilitate myself. I'll be fine. I'll be strong. I'm going to jump into this music thing. Like go for it. Mm. Mm. And so that got me, like, real motivated to just really go into music. And that sounds like back in L.A., back with my people, like, other friends of mine are starting to get into this, like, underground counterculture. Friends of mine are like, oh, this dude's starting to rap. This dude's starting to DJ. Like, I'm starting to, like, link up with people and, like, make a network here. And this is like in, you know, 2000, you know, 2001, like, real early 2000s. And... I really wanted to start learning how to like make beats. Like that was like next step. Like I I, I was I was DJing good. Now. Like I got yeah. it. Like, like I said, it didn't take me that long. Yeah. Like I I busted my ass. I was in my parents' garage every single day mm. practicing every day without fail every day in their gra- first. It started in their living room, and then they were like, "No, it's not happening." Yeah. You well, my my dad will clear out the garage, some space in the garage. <laughs> you can go on outside. Yeah. So I was in there every day. Yeah. Every, every day, every day, every day, every day. Without a doubt. Four hours a day, easy. Um, my buddy Scott, Scott Levine, mm. um was also really into into hip hop music, and his parents were super into music. His parents are both like musicians and all that, and I you know, have a bunch of bands. They got him an MPC. Oh, wow. Um, for I don't know whether it was his birthday or Christmas or whatever. I don't know. They just had it around. But he had this M P C and he was he's a, he's a good MC. He was always into he was always into rapping and he always wanted to be an MC. And so he like he didn't have anybody that he could work with, so he was like, Oh, I'm just gonna like learn to make my own beats and I can just like make music on my own. Yeah. And he didn't really like get into that technical side of like programming. So he and I struck up a deal. He was like, Yo, you can have my MPC, but any beats that you make I get to use it's like sweet easy great yeah so that's how I got my hands on an mp wow and that was yeah
1: that's crazy dude yeah I had no clue
2: and then yeah and then like I didn't have any there was nothing there was just like a turntable and an mpc and that was it with like 16 seconds of sampling (laughs) and that was it every single sound you know came from a record and that like that kind of vibe Mm -hmm. not because like that's what's cool because like that's just all it was
3: yeah,
1: hundred percent.
2: Um and so long story short, is like that got me into like wanting to learn how to make beats and then plus I was in school to really learn how to engineer and then that really made me want to learn how to like produce. Yeah and like make it sound great.
1: Which is a whole another art in
2: itself. And then like, okay, well now I understand I've been like working with these live bands and then I've been like doing this sampling and I okay, maybe I can start putting these things together and then starting like to record and produce live bands, you know, and then like sampling, oh, this. Well, why don't you just like, instead of me sampling this bass line, why don't you just play bass or why don't you just play piano and then like building all that. So then like all of those things started to kind of just spiral into becoming like a producer.
1: It's just very organic. Yeah. And what's crazy is that since you're not, it's interesting being a producer and not being a traditional musician, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And actually, I do think that held me back,
2: honestly. Because nowadays, like, a producer you, is just like someone who just like, makes everything. You think it held unquote. you back? I think it held me back in, in certain aspects. Oh, interesting. In certain aspects. In some ways, uh, not to cut you off, and you no, can no, totally no. finish your thought, it gave me like a fresh perspective as opposed to someone who's just like a piano player who's just gonna like, program drums on top of it. Right, right, right. You know, I, I, had, I was like getting inspiration from records. I would hear a sound on a record and I would take that sound yeah. and then I would want to like create on top of that sound. And that's where I, it was like found art, if yeah. you will, right? Yeah, like yeah. Sampling is like the art of stealing, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to take this and this and this, yeah. but that kind of set me up fast forward to now to do what I'm doing now, right? Right? where right, it's like right. a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and totally. a little bit of this and all these things kind of come together, you know? And so I didn't know it at the time, obviously, but all these things like had one to do with the other, with the other, with the other.
1: Yeah, I mean, the art of the MPC, I mean, it's all sample-based. And you being a DJ, understanding where those sounds need to be placed, but it's, it's pretty cool that it was an organic process to become a producer. And now you're learning about instrumentation, but not as a musician. You know, you're learning about placement of songs. You're learning about sound. You know, all these things that extend way farther than actually being a musician. Yeah. And so a lot of musicians can't make great records, And that's why the producer role is such a necessary role in that record making process.
2: Yeah, I mean, I talk about that all the time. And I strongly believe in that, like the idea of like, like I I just said, like the idea of like, quote unquote, producer now means just like someone who makes music. Sure. Where before, if you're producing the record, you don't play shit. You produce what everything that's said there's a person that there's someone that writes the music there's someone that plays the bass there's someone that plays the piano someone plays the drums someone sings someone's recording it someone's holding everything together yeah right and like going off what you were saying it's like it's about people and now that i really look back on it it was me just wanting to work with people and wanting to like hold people together and um i think that's what really drove me to go instead of just like I mean, I'll never forget you always telling me it's like you should just do you, mm-hmm. just go be go be matter, yeah. right? But I always loved playing me, with bands. Let me
0: ask you this: What what made you say that? Then can you recall that? Well, that was, what,
1: yeah, I mean that was a little later. That was definitely later. Yeah, way but later. like
2: I always loved I loved the idea of bands. I grew up listening to bands. I learned by listening to jazz, right? And be recording jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was like, well, there's not one person. I mean, yeah, you can just play piano and you know be whatever Art Tatum, but like right. It's not, I I love the idea of everyone being together and like everyone like on stage creating this sound together. Like, yeah, look, I got paid by playing other people's records, which I'll go, still think is silly to this day. But when it came to that sort of whole entity, I just love that. Mm. I love the idea of all of these different people playing something together to like give this product to sound this art this whatever you want to call it to to the world yeah and so that's what really i loved about wanting to become a producer was like i can take all of this and put it together and even to this day people ask me like oh you were in music so what instrument do you play and it's like i don't really play any instruments Mm. i can play bass a little bit i can play pianos a little bit i can play drums a little bit like if i needed to like make right if i had an idea i could like kind of thumb my way through it but my best instrument was the studio, yeah. You know, or I mean, digitally, like the computer, right? Like that was my best instrument. The turntable is my best instrument. Yeah, no, qu- yeah. But you say that to someone, they're like, that's a, "No, it's not traditional." That's not
1: a, what is that? That's and a lot of the play. time now, it is that laptop is the best instrument. That's that's what it is. That's the that's the standard now. Yeah, you know, no one's playing fucking guitar. You know, not like it was. You know, but oh, yeah, I mean, yeah.
2: Deep pro audio has outsold guitars for the last what twenty years? Oh like, yeah. Fifteen years?
1: Yeah, no question. So did you at this point, you know, as as you're you're still are you're still at Valley? I'm still at Valley at this point. Are you thinking about like an actual career like what are you gonna actually do? Or are you just indulged in music? No, I'm
2: totally indulged in it. So you're
1: not even thinking about like career at this point or like, oh, this is my trajectory or... A little bit.
2: I mean, a little bit. I I
1: started playing
2: with these guys that were in the jazz band, the more like experimental guys that were in the jazz band. And I became part of their like experimental band. Mm. And it was this guy named George, George Freeze, super talented dude who played keys and played like piano and key bass. A guy named Aki, who played uh, guitar um and a guy named matt who played drums and they had like a little trio that was making sort of like experimental sort of like blues funk like dirty blues funk yeah um and they let me just kind of like sit in with them and i was like yo i got a turntable and this sampler but i want to like jam with you guys and they were like that sounds weird that's cool so i started like playing in this blues band essentially for lack of a better it was like blues Funk. It was like porn music.
0: <laughs> it was porn music.
2: I mean, we literally, we named the band the Porn Pit Orchestra. Like our vision was like...
0: Respect. If, Respect. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. The, 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 literally the whole vision of the band was like, if, if porn was on stage like a play, we'd be the band in the pit. So we were the Porn Pit Orchestra. I fucking feel you. Yeah. And that's the kind of music they were into. I was like, yo, what if I was your... Well, I was like, what if, what if the turntables was the singer? And so, like, I started getting these sample records with, like, women moaning and, like, weird phrases. And I would just, like, scratch girls moaning and, like,
3: (laughs) "Ah, ah, ah,"
2: over this, like, like (laughs) dirty-ass blues porn music. And then, like, without without exaggerating, (laughs) I I started sampling, like, (laughs) pornos and, like, putting them on my drum machine. And I would have, like, little phrases and, like, words and, like, sounds from porn on my drum machine. And I would trigger them and I I was essentially the vocalist in the band triggering
1: porno. That's awesome, dude. That's fucking lit.
2: And that was like my introduction into playing with a band. But by playing in that band, I got to, I had to like learn how to play in a band. Mm. I was an instrument in the band without like, George gave me charts. Like I was reading percussion charts. Mm. Like I was scratching in certain, like certain like Turntable, for all intents and purposes, is a percussion instrument, right? So he would give me charts as to like, not necessarily my phrasing, but like when I was in and when I was out, and we were all reading charts like we were a fucking jazz band,
3: you know? Because that's where their
2: that's where their brains came from. So I was getting a crash course in like, I wasn't reading notes, but I was you know, reading rhythm charts essentially, and learning how to. Not play, right? Learning how to listen, mm. how to play an instrument and listen, yeah. right? Because that's the hardest thing to do yeah, is yeah. not play. Yeah,
1: you know, because every DJ, he, yeah.
2: every guitar player just wants to be like, yeah, Wah. put their
1: yeah. fucking dick out, nah. right?
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, for real, though.
1: No, I learned early on that like sometimes the best note is is no note, no note, you know, yeah. wild. Yeah, I mean it's it's all about you know it's not and, and coming as a bass player, it's not like how many notes you play or, or it's what you play and when you play it, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, not playing is, is the exact same as playing, like not playing a note is the, holds the exact same actually like spacing space as playing a note and it becomes part of your, your whole thing. So it's, it's, um, yeah.
3: But that, but
2: like, imagine that. So it's like, I'm on like the, the beginning of this like turntable DJ fringe here in, in, California right in the like early 2000s late nineties. Yeah. like not that I'm the first people are definitely doing it but that's like right when it's starting to take yeah. off like shit's not really popping yet yeah but instead of just like playing booty music in the club it's like yo, I'm gonna go scratch porno records with this jazz band like that's where my head was and that's, that's yeah that's what was more interesting to me like had I thought about it from a career perspective if I had just gone and played records in the club yeah we probably fucking Steve aoki all over the world. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that would have been the smarter choice. I don't know. But I liked doing what I was doing. I was expressing myself. I was creating art in my mind. Mm. You know? Like, I got to play in a band. I thought that was dope. Yeah. You know? Like, I got to play turntables in a band. You know, when I would play percussion and shakers and all these kind of things. And I was essentially a percussionist. Yeah. You know? But my main instrument was, like, this drum machine where i could trigger all kinds of weird samples from wherever yeah and then just like scratch and so that like really taught me how to like be an instrument yeah and then understand how all these other instruments are working and that really allowed me to like become a real connoisseur of music and understand Mm. how people are playing music and how to how bands are working. And that's where, that's just where my passion lied. Mm, And I think that's why I always wanted to work with bands is because
1: of that band that I started playing with when I was at Valley. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I mean, playing with a band and just also the element of performance and on the spot. Yeah. You know, you don't have time to like be perfect, right? Like you, most of the time you deal with like fucking up, you know, of not being perfect and, and that on the fly, that improvisation, that like reactionary muscle, like that fast twitch muscle yeah you know that's what different you're every too. time and yeah. that's what's so i mean when, you, when you're in a studio it. you could do a, a hundred takes to get it right yeah. when you're live the, as soon as you get it wrong the moment already passed <laughs> yeah like you're not you're not running it back like yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it passed and you better just like get back on the trip yeah. you, do it, you do it two more times and it's like i, I meant to do that shit. yeah <laughs> and i just hope like everyone like looks at you for a second you're like no i'm good now i'm good now yeah. <laughs> for real though dude i remember i oh like we have a recording of this. We did a show, it was like at the Knitting Factory and like I just come in with this like sliding bass line to this one note and I just, it's like how we open the show and I get to it and it's the wrong note and I'm just like, I know it is and I'm playing it, I'm like this is the wrong note. <laughs> yeah. But if I, but if I, like, I move it, it's gonna sound even worse. Yeah, than wow. everyone else. Because they're knows. Like, oh, you yeah. went from the wrong Aww. to the right. So like I just rocked that wrong note. I was like, God please move and then finally the part in the song changed. And but it sounded so terrible. But it's like sometimes in those moments, you know, um, it's it's how you like recover and I I always value that part of playing in bands and it's it's kind of an unspoken part of like there's the performance aspect where you got to like feel dope, look dope, dope, and entertain. Yeah. But then there's the all those imperfections that you also have to be a perfect player and you have to play correctly. If yeah. You're, you're, there was a time I was a horribly sloppy player, you know, and you have to tighten that shit right up.
0: Yeah. You yeah. got to be tight to be sloppy. Ooh. Straight to fuck up. You got to be tight to be sloppy. Yeah. You got to talk to Parliament a, about that drop shit. Drop a fucking gem on them, bro. <laughs> Drop a
2: bomb on them. Yeah, I mean like James Brown Parliament. That's like the ultimate, right? Uh, So tight, so sloppy. Yeah. Just because they can be.
1: Yeah. That's so true. That greasy-ass funk. Where did that lead you?
2: So, yeah, I mean to to fast forward a little bit, like I'm doing all this weird band stuff. Um, I, I end up, I stay at Valley for two years. I played the first year, you know, second year I got injured, finished that year knew that I wanted to, like, graduate from a, lack of a better word, real college. So I transferred to Loyola Marymount. Word. To get my, to, like, get my degree. Because, you know, other than, like, Loyola and USC are definitely the two best, like, music schools in LA. Yeah. SC number one for sure. Yeah. But a lot of people sleep on the music program and the film the program at Loyola. And I was, like, super into film as well. And the film and music program were, like, very intertwined. So I transferred to LMU. And was, like... DJing hard at this point, making beats, like I was like deep in it, you know, like all my recording classes. So I actually applied to Loyola Marymount, to their music program two semesters before I actually got in. I applied and got denied. They said, hey, this is a four year program. You don't, we don't allow people to come in midway. You start as a freshman and you end as a senior. Like this is a whole spectrum. Yeah. And I was like, no, fuck that. Yeah. I was like, that, that can't be right. I was like, I, I like persisted, wrote, wrote letters, went to the college. And I was like, hey, man, like, give me a test. Like, I'll test, I'll out test all of these motherfuckers in your class. Uh-huh. I was like, the knowledge that one that I gained from Valley, plus just all the shit that I'm doing on my own. Yeah. I was like, I bet you I can just punk anybody in your class. I didn't say that to the teacher mm-hmm. but I was like, "Well, can I test into it? Like yeah. let let me do something to get into it."
0: You wanted it bad enough yeah. to try and like solve a problem.
2: Yeah. Man. So I did. Uh. And I got in.
3: Ooh. Ooh.
2: Yeah. I was the first person to ever transfer into the music program at LMU and, and now, they, now they allow lit. it.
1: Yeah.
0: And now they allow it. Yeah. It's awesome. You setting trends, baby.
2: And then I got to that class, and I'm like, I'm a humble dude, I was punking everybody in that class. I respect that, <laughs> cause of Mike Julian. We'll it it back of, to Mike, Mike, Mike Julian. Mike Julian. Cause of that jazz upbringing, you know. Yeah. And then like they were just starting to get into like digital music, and I was already like, yeah, murdering the MP at that yeah. point, and like all on the computer, you know. Um, but that program really taught me how to work in like the the studios. There were beautiful. Studios at Valley—it's a fucking junior college, yeah. like, right? Like they were—I was recording on Dat. like that shit's old, <laughs> yeah. like that's like yeah. barely, barely, it, what, di- barely what's digital. It, what's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like what's that? Um, and so that really taught me how to like use beautiful, beautiful stuff. So I'm I'm at LMU, and um, that's when I ran into Carl.
1: Ah, okay.
2: So buddy Carl, my buddy Carl, he, uh, he and I grew up playing baseball together. We've known each other since we were like 11. Word. We were up playing Little League, also went to Beverly. And um, he was in a band at the time. And he and I just like, I was because I was a couple years older than him, when I left and went to Arizona, like, we just, I just didn't see him anymore. Yeah, yeah. And then we ran into each other on campus and started talking. I was like, oh, he's like, oh yeah, I'm making music. I'm in this band. I was like, oh, shit, I'm in the recording program. Part of our, so our, like the, I transferred the second half of my junior year. So I went there for three semesters, second half of junior year. And then my two senior year, um, our like thesis was to find a band and record it and produce like record, produce, engineer three songs from some random band that you had to find. So when I talked, I ran into Carl and I was like, yo, I got to do this project. You want, you want some free recording? Done. He was like, fuck Yeah. Easy. So I started, I recorded Carl's band and like produced three songs for them. And then he and I hit it off and then he and I started writing music together and that's how my Luscious happened. Oh shit.
1: That's how it happened. Yeah. Cause I thought it happened after, um, when we were, were, uh, with Noah. No, it was before. It was before. Yeah. Holy shit.
2: So that was the early, early days of it. Yeah, it was like it was right before that. I still don't remember how I got brought into You Know and Replay because it was You Know and Replay.
1: Yeah. And Replay couldn't do shows. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And so we needed someone to do shows. Yeah. And then we knew that we were playing ball with you guys one day. I actually remember it perfectly. Yeah, I don't remember this. And um, we were playing ball at Beverly um, on the courts, and um, you and
2: I had met. And um I mean I knew Noah because I knew Ryan and Adam.
1: But we it was also during the time where everyone was playing basketball. Yeah. And I went to go play with Noah and you were there and like Ian was there and all those guys. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's when I met you. And I'm pretty sure this was the moment where it was like, Yeah, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I DJ. Oh, dope. Um, and Noah and I were looking for someone to DJ shows. And like yeah, come and I think you jammed with us and at uh, yeah, like
2: at his parents' house.
1: Yeah, it started off as a, at his parents' yeah.
2: house. Yeah, yeah, so we'll take. I remember that. I remember that day. Yeah, in the like TV room.
1: Yeah, in the TV room yeah. exactly, yeah. and that's when it kind of began. And uh Nushi now enters Roushi.
2: Yeah, now now enter Joe Roush into the into the music scene. Joe Roush, welcome.
1: So during that time, I had just moved back from. I didn't even move back yet. I was like living in New York and I had come back to during summertime. And during that time, uh, Noah was doing music.
2: I remember you were like torn about coming back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to Noah King.
2: Shout out to Noah King.
1: Noah King was rapping. Shout out to Carl Stober. Shout out to Carl Stober, Mud Luscious. Shout out to Tyrone's jacket. Yeah, they do. Uh, they're we, doing see it, right? we see you guys. Love it. All Shout love. out to Ryan shout out to ryan shout out to the whole crew so i come back and and you know you know Noah and i were like really close throughout high school shout out to pliz plizzy pliz we're close throughout, throughout high school and we i came back and he was uh rapping i was like oh yeah you know um i was always in a band i was in a band throughout high school um all that shit and Noah actually like that's how we connected too so i come back and he's like yeah you know I was like, yeah, let's, let's vibe, let's jam. He, he was making records with Replay. I came in and like dropped some bass on those tracks, and we all just started kind of writing music together. Um, I started playing bass on these tracks that Replay had, and Noah got some like opportunities to to perform. And we're like, yo, let's let's perform this. I could, you know, Replay could DJ, I could play live bass, and uh, Noah was the MC, and that's kind of how. It was Noah's thing. You know, we were just kind of like the supporting yeah, dudes, for sure. And so he was like this this rapper and Replay when he couldn't do a couple of shows, that's when we looked for someone and that's when you know, we met and pulled you pulled you into that.
2: I mean, I always thought that was such like a great lineup for a hip-hop group. It was yeah. like DJ MC and Live Base. I always just thought that was dope.
1: Yeah, Nushi, do you even know about that? Like before New Kingdom? I was in this group with Noah it was just yeah what the we, fuck? we were just the th- like this three piece uh group called it was Noah King and the Renegade Soldiers yes I did that corny ass fucking yeah, name that corny ass fucking name yeah Replay was the original whatever, and then Replay at left the time, and I joined at the, <laughs> at the time you kind of love it Sorry. Eric Delos Prados is <laughs> fucking crying right now so I don't know how that, is that kind of that registered later
0: yeah he's like yeah Replay left and then I joined
1: yeah, and then so because Replay couldn't do like Replay was actually like an active producer yeah. doing yeah, he was shows, he was making records in the studio. Yeah, yeah. so he's like, and Yo, that's I, what I he can't, cared about. And we were trying to do shows, and we was like, Yo, we need someone more regularly to come, and that's when we got Matter. Wow, and so now it was Matter, uh, myself, and Noah, and we started to push this thing, and it started to create traction, and that was actually the crazy part where. Um, We started to make some noise throughout um, L.A. and started to play some pretty big shows. Um, And like opening up for like just rappers. Yeah. Just tons and tons of rappers. How the fuck was that for y'all? It was really unexpected. And like, how was it for you? I mean, it was like it. There was a lot of
2: people talking about it and there's yeah. a lot of people coming to the shows and like it was starting, it was starting to become a thing. It was starting. starting. To, yeah. It was starting. To I don't think any of us had our head on straight. Definitely not Noah. No, I mean but like and we didn't realize how to properly take advantage of it. No. I still think that that could have been way more than it was. I think so too. Um, but it just, it, at the time I don't think we realized how to properly capitalize on it.
1: No, it was just, it was kind of moving very quickly and it was, uh, it had become something. And um, how old were y'all? We 23. I was 23. Yeah. So I was like 24, 25.
3: Yeah.
1: Or no, I, I was probably younger. I was probably more like 22. Yeah. Okay. 22 when I probably started it. Yeah, exactly. Actually, it was before that because I had my 22nd birthday during that time. I remember it because it, we, we were doing shows at like 14 below and stuff. But then we started to do these bigger so what year shows is that, like 0405. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And we started doing bigger shows. We started playing the L Ray. We started playing like, you know, house of blues. We started doing these kind of like bigger shows in the Key Club, dude. The when key, it was club. Still key Club. When yeah. Was lit. yeah. Yeah. And opening up for like big acts. And Noah was getting around like as a rapper. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing, we just had this like really electric show, you know, similar to like what transpired into new kingdom but it was like the energy was crazy in that show the energy was nuts and it was
0: it's crazy what natural talent can get you and the limitations of
1: it very true and this was but this was hip-hop you know it was just like rap and we were just banging these shows and that's when you and i really started to connect on a music level because you're like yo i produce and then we started making records together and we're like oh we all like the same shit Um, i mean
2: replay was doing the renegade soldier stuff but you and i started just writing other stuff yeah
1: yeah a bunch of other stuff and um yeah that was a, a wild time and
2: then i brought you into what i was writing with carl
1: and then yeah then so matter had this band with carl and what's crazy now we're saying like now carl and noah have a group tyrone's jacket which is doing very well i hear and i see so shout out um Carl had this band, My Luscious, which was like this indie. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. It was all it was everything, all
2: over the place. Like both he and I had such like diverse taste, and it was just allowed us to do everything. It was like it was punk, it was reggae, it was ska, it was it was hip hop, it was like alt rock. It was just like and that was wild too. Everything it was. I mean, yeah, we had like an eighties electro. I mean, there song. were was there like were times
1: where we're like we were doing. Sh- shows together So you and I Would be on the stage For two the shows The whole time The yeah, whole yeah. time
2: And then i DJ after Yeah So like it would be it like, like Mud
1: Luscious Noah King And the Renegade Soldiers And then DJ And like Matt and I Would be on the stage The entire fucking time Rocking And like We would do costume changes it's just change shit. aliases Yeah
2: You don't know About this dude's Alias game <laughs> Yeah He's got the strongest game. Alias oh game
1: we don't know about it. Uh, I, just, I just had a million aliases oh, okay. that we go by. For, we, we still do. We have so many different projects. You don't know about Sweet 16, though. Sweet hey. 16. Oh. You don't know about Check 1. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yo. Daryl Cranberry. You don't know about Daryl Cranberry. <laughs> Daryl <either>. Cranberry. <laughs> you don't know about that, either. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm all over the place. Oh.
0: Daryl fucking Cranberry, though. that's the best name ever. That, that's our, that's, that's ever, our secret
1: ever. shit that's about to blow up, yeah. too. But that's another topic. Oh. Uh, uh. Ugh. that's another topic that's where you laugh all day but you know that was a that was a crazy time and um, it was really in that like LA we were starting to get into that music scene and that's when like you and I was on the scene too because what was that like 2005? 2008 to okay. 2000, actually it was like
0: 2007 probably okay
1: so this extended through that and then
0: no but you know what you and I was a group both, like during that time also. yeah yeah when I, when I came on with them, it was
2: 010. Yeah. So they had definitely picked up a lot
1: of steam by oh, that yeah. point.
0: They were together for like eight years. It was Rapture Camp, and then,
1: man, we did these, we did these wild shows. We did this thing where, like, we did a public broadcast system show. Remember that the PBS thing, like where we drove down to San Diego, and oh yeah, Nushi, we played this thing where, like, we went on TV and played this song remember that oh man that was bad it was so bad we did (laughs) we did a lot of really bad (laughs) things (laughs) oh so bad
0: Like I thought that was gonna be like such a glorious no. Here's the thing. So we drive on TV. It was lit. Like they're like we played on TV.
1: No, no, no. It was it was PBS. It was like the public channel. Like the channel in between two and three. That channel.
2: PBS can be lit. Where you can like maybe see a nipple. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The public access. Sorry, that's (laughs) what it is. Public access.
0: Played on TV. Pause.
1: No, it was terrible.
2: That
0: was bad.
2: I had honestly forgotten about that. Yo, had it's, forgotten about it's it.
0: that type of repressed fucking memory.
1: Yeah,
2: I don't remember when that dude told me that I fucking sucked, but I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, that was a, that was a repressed one. <laughs> <laughs> so for you though, at this time, like, you know, we—I mean, we were super connected, and you had—I always admired you a lot as a DJ, and I felt like you're DJing. And you had your DJing and in, in Noah King, and you had your production and Mud Luscious. What was that like for you, evolving into uh, a real person into this music scene?
2: I mean, I I kind of enjoyed being that person that like kind of brought everyone together. I feel like I brought all of those crews together. Yeah. Even I mean, technically Noah and Tanji met you know with that crew, but then like bringing in Malcolm who brought in. You know, naive, and then like part of, of that family, and then like with you and then with Carl, and then like and this is the thing all these, what do you think all it these was things about, together?
0: Like, your ability and also your enjoyment of creating an experience. Because like you're talking a lot about creating experiences within yeah. your world. You have your function, you do what you do well, but like you're talking about the enjoyment of putting things together far more than the craft itself.
2: That I mean now that's like pretty fucking on point. Um now that I look back on it, that's yeah. what it was. Like I I was it was always of course about the music and I got to express myself yeah. differently through different projects. Yeah. You know. But it was a it was just this love of of like togetherness. Mm. Right?
0: I respect that. Where yeah. it's
2: like Hey, what if we all did this together? We could all put on this massive event together. We could put route records together. We could who knows what together? yeah, and some of those things materialized. a lot of them didn't materialize. Yeah. you know
0: um and I connect with that, and the reason I bring that up, bro, is because like that was my ethos in this shit. You know what I'm saying like i wasn't like I wasn't a music guy, but like people, I love people, and naturally, people are the the parts in this little play you know what i'm saying and, um, and i think that's
2: you know eventually what took me out of music cuz it wasn't about that anymore like I, I if we fast forward a little bit like i never became this like wildly massive popular dj word but i got to live off of my art
0: right mm-hmm. which which is very important which is amazing a lot of people don't which is the
2: greatest feeling ever respect yeah to get paid to make art yes but as it started to progress and I started to get and take on more projects and bigger projects and do these kind of things, it was less about like just being Matt Siegel who just wants to like
0: bring everybody bring together. Everyone
2: together. I mean, I got to do a project. I got to do a project where I got to bring my dad in and let my dad play bass.
0: That's fucking lit. That and had to was, be a glorious fucking It was moment. the
2: most amazing. The, the love and dancing
0: thing. My
2: dad got to play bass on it. I got to bring in all my homies, and everyone got to play uh, for um, a film score for a movie. And I was like, I got hired to do a a number of songs for this film and then for the soundtrack. Yeah. And I got free reign to just like bring in my own musicians.
1: I remember I got some royalties from that for a little
2: bit. Yeah, I still get checks from that shit.
1: I respect that. Shout out to the first royalties.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But that was your playground. That was my playground, and so it was like that kind of thing. Where it's like, all right, this like I remember bringing everybody into a room in the back, in the like the little like food area of this recording, Cherokee Studios. Rest in peace, Cherokee. That was like the most wonderful studio, the classic recording studio in Fairfax. I was one. That was like one of the last records that ever got made there. Wild. Mm. Um, I mean, that like Cherokee Studios, you know, man. Like that's like a fucking epic place. Um, But I remember bringing everybody in there and I was like, hey, guys, look, this is the deal. Like, we're going to write a bunch of songs for this movie. They're going to bring in all these other people to like potentially sing on it or do these other things. But like, I want to make sure that we all write this music because we need to get all that writing. Yeah. And like we were always on that shit then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Oh, bro and i made sure everybody wrote that music even when we worked with Tatiana i made sure tanji wrote that track and like
1: oh yeah you <laughs> Tatiana Ali <laughs> it
2: was wild. they brought the her world. in to sing that on some too. of these tracks and I then like she it, I and i, I hit I it i would it have
1: off. never thought about that again and yeah, and she young and Tunch. i hit it off oh, and young yeah. young, man. dude like, this and is and fucking I'd,
0: history Oh, this, this is like this, this so is like even back. like
1: before this yeah. is like prehistoric this is before
0: he was on orange cut like this is oh oh way before orange this was light light years before. Bro, don't make this Persian dude battle these two Caucasians right now. What's up? Oh, is
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we're, we're, we're going into some history tonight. Off the right. serious but, but history. Tonight. This was like pre all that, so you're you're getting kind of in, an inside look of like what was going on during that little time. Straight up, yeah. Inverse was popping off during yeah, that. Inverse
2: was pop- I, I recorded Inverse's record at my house. Wow. Yeah. But during that time, we did this track with Tatiana for this movie, and I made sure that Tunji wrote it.
0: Yeah, not to T- put T- not to T- put
2: him on blast. He's a married man, but he was like, "Yo, I need to write that track for Tatiana." Yeah. I was like, "Yo, I got you."
0: Yeah. And <laughs> <For real? laughs> Maddie came in and was like, "Look, no, we are. It's already written, Blair.
2: But you got she loved it, and she, the three of us, totally hit it off. And the three of us went off and started writing a record for her at my house. myself, wow. Tunji, and Tatiana." Wrote like five or six tracks for a record for her at my house. That's fucking And Tunji
1: is an amazing songwriter.
2: Oh, he's, he's amazing. Unreal. If you've never heard that dude rap, oh my God.
0: Tunji can fucking rap. Oh, bro, bro, yeah. No, t- t- I mean, yeah. Tunji can come out with a record today and like start challenging cats. Duh, in two seconds. He's, he's lit with it. I, I like it's crazy. I don't know like, about
2: today because he's like way smarter than like oh the hubby the hubby like he doesn't fuck with
0: that. No, but like his flow is
2: lit.
1: <laughs> it's oh, so I, crazy. I, he's so like Tunji
0: as a lyricist is lit. Like I, yeah. I I still go back like every so often and it's, like rock Tunji records. And also those
1: those choruses. He's a fantastic oh, yeah, chorus yeah. man. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's seriously.
0: No, but look, that's also what makes him a great A and
1: A hundred percent. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, he knows. Like, a good he songs. Knows. Yeah yeah.
2: Shout out to Tanji. Shout out yeah. to Tanji. I haven't seen you in a long time man Yeah Don't I worry,
0: you, You're gonna see him soon And Joe we about to send him another text So <laughs> Yeah, yeah about right. to You text him right job. now Text him right now i am text him right now <laughs> Get this <laughs> Let's
2: get Let's get Let's get oh, watch, Balagoon on the I, phone you, look, you love bringing people together
3: like
0: that Yeah That's, that's who <laughs> I'm here
2: for right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah
0: Fuck the flash Hold on Forgive <laughs> me <laughs> Forgive me. That that was that was like a, a stone cold moment, just ruined by the flash.
1: And we're back from a piss break. You ah. know how we do. So yeah, man, the ultimate maestro bringing things together.
2: Yeah, you know maybe. I was just thinking about. It. Now, I'm not saying this is why, but when know, you step away for a second, you get like a little bit of like a chance to think for a second.
0: Respect. Maybe. Maybe
2: the idea of like wanting to bring everyone together in a sense of like community and family and home was because of how I was brought up. Like I was raised in this like home Bang. where everything's together and everyone is just like happy and loving and like everything is functioning properly. And,
1: and during this time
2: like too, I maybe I want everyone to have that child. Like I had an amazing childhood. Like yeah. let's I want to bring that to everybody. Goddamn right.
1: Well, and to go further in that like To show you the how deep it was, we had jams all the time. I still have some of those recordings where we matter would bring. We we, he would bring in different music, all all different musicians. I thought about bringing some music. There was times like where we wouldn't even know everybody, and everyone would come in and let's just start playing. we did that on my birthday. That's what I wanted for my birthday. You remember that? Faye Dodo. Oh, wow.
2: Remember that? Really? Remember that? Fado when Do. I brought in Eric Mason, dude playing cello. Oh,
3: yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. We did a live version That was like of the
2: first time that like wow. Tunji and Noah were together outside of when they were like doing the little rap battles when they like actually hung Grimes was there and, and Naive. Yeah. And you were playing and Eric was playing. Yeah.
1: I remember that. The cello dude. Yeah. Yeah. We would do these things where like a bunch of musicians, we'd all come together and then just start playing. And yeah, there would be rappers, Tungy and Noah would freestyle. We would just on the spot come up with music. Like so we, we wouldn't even know each other. And we would just come up and start playing and jamming. And there was such a rawness to that. And it was always fucking like fire too. At least mm-hmm. we thought it was. I mean, you, you still have those recordings, but I still I have them, and yeah. I've
2: edit, I've like cut
0: them down and edited them, no, and let's like go. it's a wrap, yo. We yeah. Mm-hmm. I need yeah. to
1: hear
3: these.
1: And what was that? What was that old dude on the drums? Oh, bars, bars. Oh, dude, that
2: guy's a fucking killer, dude. He's a, he's one of the most amazing drummers i no ever met. No
1: question, he like, was amazing. Real jazz
2: cat, yeah. real real jazz cat. Yeah, no question. Shout out to Michael Bar He's
1: actually like without him, a lot of that stuff would have just falling he flat. Held, he held everything together. Yeah.
2: Dude, I played it I played in a live drum and bass band with him. Mm. With it was him, bass, saxophone, and me. True. And it was like weird out fusion jazz slash drum and bass. Insane. It was I mean, that guy's chops are like Unreal. not they're not human. Like no. people I think talk I, about I, like, "Oh yeah, no 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 no. This, this is actually, a real jazz dude."
1: He actually told me one time that I needed to practice more. And like I've always remember that and i was like it was one of the first times we had jammed. And he was like, yeah, no, you're good. You need to practice more, though. You got to practice more. And he kind of said it in a way where, like, I, I knew I was sloppy. I was just a sloppy player. And I tightened up real quick next time we saw each other. I was like, okay, I'm I'm not playing, like, high and drunk and wild yeah. anymore. No, I'm I mean, he played with everybody. Yeah, legend. Yeah. So... From from that point, we had Mud Luscious going on pretty cracking, um, and Noah was going on pretty cracking. Yeah, but then it got like a little weird. It definitely got
2: weird. Everything yeah. started to just kind of fall apart.
1: Yeah, and that's when I
2: started to just do my own thing, and that's when I really started to link heavier with Adam.
1: Yeah, and I remember having. I think that's when like the conversations really originated, where I was like, "Just do you." Yeah, I think. I mean, that's kind of been a through line, but. During that time when I felt because things started to get serious is when things started to fall apart. Yeah. You know, and I think everyone was very confused at the time too in their own way. As focused as everyone was, you know, I know Noah had like some major identity issues going on. Yeah. I had like some weird shit going on too where I didn't really know where like to fit in and I had to like choose where to spend my time you know i remember i, I couldn't do mud luscious anymore because i had to focus on like what noah was doing and that was like a really hard thing and new kingdom was starting and that kind of was like we were working. in that weird rehearsal space like oh yeah off like western or something um labrea or something yeah La Brea jefferson yeah Brea jefferson yeah. you know we were doing new kingdom started happening and like you had all these things happening and i was saying like as everything was happening and getting serious, everything was also simultaneously falling apart. Mm. And it's when you get serious that like, it's always when shit gets real. Like here's a phrase I always use. Everything's cool until it's not cool. Like as soon as things like shit gets real, especially in music, people start to fucking change. And that doesn't mean like change for the worse. It just means, you just start to change. You start to think of like the possibility of this. Mm -hmm. It starts to get serious. Their own agenda. Yeah. And you see real colors. You you do. And you kind of like figure out like, okay, this, this was something that was just all about having fun and rocking. But now it's like, wait, you you know, where, you know, we got to take this more serious. You can't be doing this thing, you know, this other stuff or, you know, um, what are we really doing here? We got to get some label attention or yeah. what is this whole thing? Who's going to get paid? Who's making the album? Whose album is it? How, whose band is this? You know, all these like weird questions uh-huh. start formulating and like the
2: word uh, me starts coming up all the time. Mm. Yeah,
1: exactly. A hundred percent. And it like naturally though, like you kind of have to, f- you you realize like where the fuck do you fit in? Mm-hmm. You know, And I think during that time it was, um, it was really weird and really difficult, and um, it was unfortunate looking back. Also, think of that with the mind of like a twenty-year-old kid, like in your like middle mid twenties, where like you don't really know what the fuck is going on. Like your ego is driving you. You're like, and all of us never had like business goals. We just had like goals of wanting to be fucking rock stars and like play music. And then like shit gets serious, and you're like, wait a minute, oh, uh, it just gets super confusing. Yeah.
2: And what's great about this kind of story is like, this is the real story. This isn't right. like, I grew up in the hood and I started rapping and yeah. now I'm making millions. Uh, yeah. It's like, no, this is like some real industry shit that yeah. it's like, no, that shit doesn't always work out. No, and you know, it doesn't matter how much talent or you know cool shit you got going on. Like, sometimes it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, and when it when it starts to get real or right? Like, it's crazy to, to think about uh, if we compartmentalize and look at, like, artistry and musicianship in, as an entity, right? When it starts to become real, when, when something you put your blood, sweat, and tears in, whether it's it's by deliberate choice or whether it's, like, a vibe thing that has started just becoming and it's getting a lot more real, when that structure comes into play and you realize like the music business e- e- even pre label all that when it's like, okay, we're getting together and now like it's about to be serious, yeah right? it's music business it's music business, but it's it, it, it's interesting to see the dynamic shift in that when reality kicks in, like you're living a dream, and now reality kicks in, and a lot of times that reality distorts. What that a dream could be. Time. 100%. That's
2: what that's, that's, uh, that is a big <sighs> portion of what happened to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's dive into that.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, it becomes your job, right? Not everyone gets, is fortunate to be like, I feel super inspired and creative and happy and I'm going to skip to work every yeah. day. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what your job I'm in is. I'm going to
0: fucking band, baby. Fuck yeah.
2: Like, even if it is making records. Or even if it is whatever, yeah, touring the world, or uh, what, call it whatever you want, designing yeah. sneakers. I don't know, whatever, yeah, like still your job. Mm. And like you're saying, like maybe that's uh, unfortunately that's how people t- put too much pressure on how that defines them. Yeah, you know, that's like you lose your creativity, you lose your art, you lose that that freedom, right? That just or like, the potential that brush like, stroke.
0: You <clears throat> the the loss can happen, but I feel like. I completely get that based on your story, right? But in terms of just like in general, right? Like if we're on a fucking panel and, and all this shit and like we're talking to like the youth that that are in that that is when the prospect of losing that becomes very real.
2: Yes. And in turn, maybe that is what should be driving you. Mm. That's what you should turn that energy into instead of being thinking about it potentially negatively it's like hey if we're on the panel and i'm talking to all these kids where it's like when that shit starts to become real yeah and you start to feel all of this pressure to perform yeah then you better step the fuck up and
0: perform absolutely and with that to that point it's step the fuck up and perform because again dreams are fucking phenomenal But the reality is you're not living your dream until you work hard enough to get there. You know what I'm saying? Everybody wants what a dream could become. But very few are willing to work to the point where the opportunity is there for that dream to become a reality. And unbeknownst to them, or whether it's in their control directly or not... For that dream, for that reality to, to be what that dream was. It's like talking about it is something very different than living it. Because living it, you start to realize, fuck, this isn't how I imagined it. Until it is. Yeah. Or it's just not going to be.
2: Or it's not going to be. And you got to pivot.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, and also during that time, you you just lose yourself somewhere in that process. How so? like when things start getting real, you can't help but develop this ego. Not in the sense of like, I'm the shit or things like that. Yeah. It's just, you start to almost develop into a, a different character. Like you start to take on all these different like feelings and things and start thinking that you're so fucking important. And Or whatever. See, th- th-
0: this is kind of where I got lost in, the la- in that last point is that, especially in group settings, right? It's a lot more difficult. So difficult. when it's a single artist, it's like you against the world. Yes. Right. But when it's a group and to that point, which, which made me like rethink it, it's a, and, and, and being that I was around the new kingdom days where it was starting to fall apart is I really think that ego, especially on cats that like even want to have that dream to be able to make it creatively and even you matter being being the type of person where you're bringing everybody together naturally unless everything's in line there's going to be a crux yeah there's going to be a bottleneck yeah. right and that ego becomes bro you don't want this as much as i do like, yeah. what the fuck yeah right and that ego becomes like well shit like this scenario may not be right for me because my dreams are being fucked with here you know what I'm saying? Even pre-real, like no, we, we well all, that's that's exactly we, we what all it is, we all know that like when money comes in and cats are <clears throat> rocking and all that, like it gets blurry and shit gets like out of the picture. But even pre that,
1: pre that, like, mm-hmm. on
0: that, it's like when the dream is starting to, to become to more real. It's like you're not gonna fuck this yeah, up for us. Exactly. Are you working as hard as we are? And that's what, that's what I think. Where like a group setting makes it way more difficult. Like group starts out for as sure. all of our boys. Yes. Right, but then when boys need to become men, some of them are not gonna blossom as early as others no
1: and I mean that's like that's the exactly that's exactly to, what we're talking about like that's that exactly that's the it.
2: real quote unquote industry scenario yeah, yeah. Right? That, like that's that, like we're not popping off, yeah we're not pulling in you know six figures a night like yeah. that's not yes. happening and it's
1: it's such the pre real like you, you like we're selling out shows at small venues in LA yeah, where we have tons of f- fans screaming at us, but they're really like friends. Yeah. We have, you know, you know what I mean? Like you get lost in this sense of what you're really doing versus, you know, and it, it's, it's a really fucked up like place to live in. Mm. And it's that whole, like, like you're saying that pre real, you know, during these two times where like Noah shit was popping off, mud Lush's shit was popping off. Two, it was getting there. Like the buzz was 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 there and it was growing and growing. And then we all started taking it very seriously. And like you said, it became about me, you know? Mm. Not me, Joe, just everyone everyone. It became about mm-hmm. me for everybody. And I think that's kind of where the ego was. I know for me it was one hundred percent. I was like I was just like, where the fuck do I fit in all this? I'm a bass player playing in these two groups and like I don't know what the fuck I even believe in, like, I don't know what, Noah's, Noah's crazy ass is talking about this revolution shit. <laughs> and But, like, this is where I started, so I feel, like, loyal to it. Obligations.
2: But I fuck with... But th- selfishly, you knew that that shit had legs. And you're didn't. like, yo, that, that could be real. Yeah.
1: You know, I actually knew both had legs. But because it was, like, Mud Luscious and Noah, I felt more of an allegiance to Noah. Yeah. You and, know,
2: and... We could all feel that. Yeah, for real.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, hundred percent. And looking back on it, it could have just come down to like better communication. <laughs> like, like that would never happen as adults. Like at our age now, it would it would never even like get a hair close to that.
0: Or would it though? That, that that's the crux of it. Communications, the key. But don't think that just because we're adults now that we can freely communicate. No,
1: I, I feel you. I think. But I just think looking back on it, like communication probably could have resolved so much and actually let both those things thrive and grow. But we cut it at the legs before it even had a chance to grow, you know, because everyone was so worried about how it was going to grow. You know, and how this thing was going to progress. I can't be in this band because I got to be in this band. And it's like, yeah, it's like no it's band like, is really nothing, fucking popping up. Happening. That's the joke of it. Like you're making these decisions and nothing's really happening. And, you know, being, oh man, it's such a crazy part of this industry is that when you're young and grinding and trying to like live your fucking dream, you get lost in that of your dream and reality. Uh, and who the fuck you want to be but and who you really are at that moment. And those things get blurred completely.
0: I want to ask you this. How was that for you, Matt, as a creator and a curator? Because I feel like in your position, whether like the curator was dominant or not, it was a double-edged sword that you were just like getting stabbed by.
2: You're like, totally right.
0: How uh, like Take me through that and, like, take me through where it led you just mentally because, like, again, you strike me as somebody that allows things to happen but is very practical in in his decision-making when a change needs to be made, right? But I want to dig into, like, the layer beneath change in which, like, what – that was like and, and how your mind processed it and where it took you because you know in that moment unbeknownst to you it was it, it, like me seeing it now I'm gonna make an assumption is that you were orchestrating but you were you were a piece of the puzzle but you also like looked at it you, you were able to take yourself outside of it and look at it in a bigger scale so there was like in that position there seems to be more of a sense of responsibility and like seeing all these things happen and understanding like everything that comes with all of these things how was that for you experiencing it from both sides and what and and what did that how did that affect you essentially
2: yeah that's a great question that's a real question Uh, because you're totally right I saw I saw the whole thing and I it um it was tough because, like, this will go into why I'm doing what I'm doing now. I'm more of just like a, I like to give. I was, I had the opposite mindset of you. It wasn't about me. I I was, I felt like I wanted to just sort of like, I was being this backbone, right? And everyone else could just be the arms and the face and the brain and all this stuff. And I was going to just... I was going to hold this this shit together. Yeah. And I was going to just be part of all of this. One, because I wanted to be a part of all of this. And I, I felt like I could be a part of this. I, I've always liked to sort of stretch myself thin, right? And just like spread wings and then just like hug and whoever comes in on with this hug. But I saw it all like falling apart. I saw it. But I put myself in a position of weakness by being sort of the, because I was the crux of all of these sort of things happening. It's like, I can't, I can't, well, if I leave Renegade Soldiers and I ain't got no DJ, but they start a new kingdom, all right, that's cool. And I'll keep fucking with Carl and all these other projects that I'm, I'm potentially working on. I can't leave Carl because me and Carl are mud luscious and without me, there's it's just Carl, right? Yeah. And so I like felt this obligation to all of these other projects that I like in in my heart knew that was like, maybe not going to put me in the forefront. Maybe not make me money. Maybe not make matter matter, you know, whatever, however, whatever you words you want to put to it. And I was sort of putting myself on the back burner, not, not on purpose, but not, not, not on purpose. Right. I was just like allowing this shit to happen without, without at first stepping in and being like, yo, that shit's not working. That shit's not working. I'm not working with you anymore. Mm. I'm going to go do me. I felt this obligation to kind of
0: stick around, for lack of a
2: You're better the phrase. Glue.
1: Right? How could the glue leave? And he really was. Yeah. That's the crazy part.
0: You know what's wild, and and the reason I like,
1: how can the glue leave?
0: The reason why that's so I, fucking true. I was able to see that is because, like, dog, I'm talking to me when I'm talking to you. you know what yeah. I mean? I
2: mean, you you asked the best question, yeah. you know, and I wasn't going to say that,
0: but you asked it. Yeah absolutely but that but that's what it is because like that's the beauty of conversation bros that is that you know listening is where where it all happens and in in understanding people as human beings like we have to be able to listen you know what i'm saying and and in in this conversation i started to see it more and more and more in that like you're bouncing in this world of uh, a player in it but also like a bigger picture visionary in it you know what i mean and 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 you're toiling with those in it and it's 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 a beautiful thread in your story which like you know understanding where you are now makes a lot more sense but in that time cuz like the reason why i want to bring these things up is because these things fucking happen man it's like looking back at it now i don't think that you'd be able to say i should have done it different because Again, whether it's Kevin, the second, the, the the second base guy, whether it's fucking, you know, whatever it was that led, like the Arizona in in fucking the 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 weird roommate you had, but the other two dudes that shared the the common area, like these things are out of our control, and it, and, and if we were able to control them, they'd be different, right? But the bigger picture is is that these things happen, right? And they're a part of our story. Right, Maybe knowing that these things happen may allow somebody to be more comfortable with making a pivot sooner, right? But the bigger thing is is just understanding that perspective. Like, th- these things are real. Like, when somebody sees us now, when somebody sees us even then, they're looking at the surface. Yeah. But beneath the surface is a story. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And rarely does that story get to be told outside of the people that are living it you know what I mean and and even with the people that are living it in those moments it it really is like like it's not a story then it's just life happening until it becomes a story later you know what I'm saying and that's the beauty of it because it's like understanding you more and more as a person allows myself to really appreciate um what I believe to be what you were, you were dealing with at that point and trying to keep everything together, but also sacrificing your livelihood, whether you knew it directly or not to make sure that shit actually had a level, you know what I'm saying? And trying to just make a living. Yeah.
2: Trying to just fucking slang music. Right. And just like do whatever I could yeah. to make that real. Cause I wanted to live off music and I was living off music and that money wasn't coming from Renegade Soldiers. That money wasn't coming from Mud Lushes. Yeah. That was coming from other places. Yeah. And eventually it got to the point where it's like, I got to just do this. And the things just kind of fell apart on their own. Yeah. Right. Everything just sort of like disbanded.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, did um, it, did it start to diminish value for you when it wasn't the community?
2: Yeah. I mean, everyone, like I said, everyone has their own agenda and that's fine. Like in my mind at the beginning in this, you know, when we were all just like playing music and, you know, like you said, having dreams is like we could all do this shit together. We could be like this fucking movement. Yeah. You know, everyone's got so much talent we yeah. can like hit everything, yeah. every, everything with, uh, with this group of people. And I liked that idea. Yeah. And I liked not, not from an egocentric point. It's like, yeah, I put that shit together. No, not no. From the most selfless point yeah. of view. And, but eventually it got to the point where it was like, Joe was one of the people like, like I created with that. I actually got like really deep. We could have real conversations and yeah. we still do, which is why we're still such close friends. Yeah. Real friends. You know, taking what he told me to heart and then just, you know, listening to people that I really trust and I really care about and myself, just being like, I, I
0: need to just do me. Yeah. I wish somebody told me that earlier, but then now I can appreciate them not, right? Because had I made a change in whatever the fuck way earlier, who knows? Maybe I'd be on a path to like way more greatness, but. When I look at my shit right now... Yeah, I mean, I think about that too. And I appreciate yeah, you know. all the indecision and also my insecurity and in telling people how lost I was with them seeing me as some, like, facilitator. Like, I, I did get that, but, I, like, imagine this. Imagine you're facilitating hella shit, and imagine you're able to, like, break barriers within people and, like, be able to utilize that for the greater good of the community, but being empty, you know what I'm saying? So, like, cats are telling you, you're like so great, and I'm just like dead inside. You know what I mean? But to wish that somebody, like, I wish somebody would have been like, bro, like, what are you doing? Shout, shout out to the beach whale over there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You De- didn't no, that, no, but we y- y'all didn't hear that, but Delos <laughs> Prados just like started like queefing from the bathroom. <laughs> um, no, but. No, but on some trail shit, it's like, look, that sense of loyalty, that sense of, like, wanting everybody to win, it's always there. You know what I'm saying? And, like, at the same time, like, there was an emptiness to that. You know what I mean? And it happens. And to be honest, yeah, I wish people would have told me that, but at the same time, I wish I would have been more vulnerable to be able to express that.
1: What was was crazy with that, and what you just said is, like, um for the betterment of the community like both you guys are coming from a selfless place i think looking back on it with you i was like just do you is kind of like the i think the second part of that sentence was because everyone else is you know what Mm. i mean like and you know as kind of fucked up as that kind of is I just knew in like, cause we had been like real friends and like we both had kind of, were seeing everything going on. Um, and even in new kingdom, like when you and I talked, it's kind of like the same thing. Like when things started to feel weird, yeah. these conversations, but with you, I saw that like all your talent and everything that you had and trying to, you know, you were taking this selfless position and, but you were adding so much value at the same time. and, but it wasn't being like reciprocated, yeah. And I'm like, bro, at this point, in that situation, like, and it was like an undertone. Yeah. It, no one's talking about this stuff. That's yeah. that's what makes it weird. No one's like saying like, everyone does have their own agenda, and it's not just which is fine. It, well, and it's not always. It's like, it's always not like a hundred percent. Imagine pe- imagine this. If people
0: are way more freer. To speak about that candidly whether like they believe it fully and that's them or whether they're thinking these things like imagine if open communication could happen at the juvenile state and but right? I also I also tell- how much clearer this shit would be and how much like more comfortable decisions made would feel but that's youth. No, it's, that's, it's, that, it's that's such that's our, like yeah. that's, that's chasing exactly. a, a dream. No, that, Right? Like, we, we, we forget about, uh, you know, the basic principles and all these things. But it's like, at the same time, right, whether it's a curator wanting to, 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 to who's the glue, who's taking himself out of it just to make sure everybody else is, like, kind of in the mix still, or compartmentalized creators, right, that are on that path. Whether they're like, I don't know if like this is the group I want to be in or that one or this or the other. Imagine the ability and what 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 potential-wise could become if cats are way more free to talk about it.
1: Yeah, no, but, I mean, but
0: we're but we're also like within ourselves, even if it's a selfish intent, especially in that juvenile stage, that selfishness is still like, I don't want to let people down. Yeah, you know what I mean. Nobody was like, you know what, fuck y'all. I'm not going to do it there. I'm going to do it here. Right. It was kind of like, well, this is kind of working more right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm uncertain about that. So, like, even if I don't want to talk about it with them, I'm going to slide in this direction.
1: Right. And just
0: let life happen.
1: But it's so, yeah, I mean, it's like, I, there's a lot that I kind of regret about that. And um, yeah, I
2: mean, that was a really pivotal time in our lives. Yeah. You know, your mid-20s. Yeah. Say. That's when a lot of decisions are made.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was really re- really weird. And- I mean,
0: bro, like, like, imagine this. And this podcast wouldn't happen
1: if this wasn't the case.
0: I was new, she get it done, right? But after you and I had broken up, like, I could have gone label route, tried marketing, whatever, or, or agency route, all this. I still wanted to be with, like, the bands directly. Because, like, for me, it was the people. Right, And that's not going to get nobody any money because it takes a long time to develop that. Right, But if I was in my, like, new she get it done mind, there's no way I'd work for a fucking Nick Lipman. There's no way I'd allow myself work to... work for Nick Lipman? Yeah, because, because um, I... This, that's wait,
2: a... we're, why we're going to get to that. Yeah, no, but so look, this, I, I
0: wanted to work with New Kingdom and I knew that Nick Lipman was managing them, right? So... After you and I had broken up, I was like tail spinning, and I was like, just like, look, like I'll come work with you, like if you can't pay me that much, like I'll do odd jobs and like do that because I saw promise in New Kingdom, right? And and they were my boys, right? And I'm over here working on. It's crazy when you think about it. Like th- this is what made me start like hating it because <laughs> I'm working on five other projects that I fucking hate. I'm not gonna name any names, but I fucking hate. And then I have New Kingdom, like my boys, that I'm able to, like, shuck and jive with and just, like, get really gully with, right? But if I was, like, on my music executive path and new she manager, I wouldn't be there. Yeah. Right. But had I not been there and had we not gone through what we did, even in my fucking, like, I'm not maximizing my potential, it allowed us to get here. So that's how you two met. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Huh. Actually,
1: and it was even like a little before I actually met Anoush because he was with you and I. And I think we had done a show or we, we he was at a show. We had done a show at the Roxy and he was there. And that's when we first met. And then you and I had broken up and then, um, you know, Anoush got in and Anoush was like there every fucking day with us.
2: I worked with Nick, too.
1: Yeah, you did.
2: He rapped me.
0: And that's I, where it is, boom. Familiar. That's where it is. Familiar face, yeah. boom.
2: From wow, and then I right. brought in Adam. So Nick wrapped me solo, and then me and Adam.
1: You're goddamn was this, right. This was after New Kingdom, you know, then. You no,
0: know, you know what's crazy? When you said it was at the same time. It was the same time. Oh, I was like, wow. Oh, oh same, at time?
1: The same time. Oh, yeah, bro.
2: I got introduced to Nick through Sam. Yeah, through Sam. Yeah. Sam Sylvan, and so. Great. Let's fast forward. Right. Yeah. Stop. Stop fucking with this chump. Yeah. And. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you did. Um, start writing more music on my own. I'm getting opportunities to like. Just write a bunch of music. I, I, I was really fortunate. I got to like write a lot of music for like TV commercials. Yeah. And this is before that was like the only way to get paid. That's true. Yeah. You know. And so I was like, I wanted to get into that. Yeah. I was in that because I, I had done the film and I was like, yo, this is where it's at. And so I, um, there's a guy named Adam Berg who you guys fucked with a little bit mm-hmm. and then you guys didn't really get along with, but I met Adam through naive mm. both. There was another guy, part of this whole crew, this, this rapper named Steve who goes by Na- naive, um, who I was making tracks for. And then also this guy, Adam was also making tracks for him at the same time. And Adam and Steve met each other cause they went to UCLA, which is around the corner. See, it's all like, yeah, um, so Steve put Adam and I in touch. He's like, yo, you guys are both making tracks for me. Maybe we could all just work together. And so he put Adam and I in touch. And Adam and I wrote a little bit of music for Steve. And he and I got along really well. And this was at the time, like, he was still working out of his house. I was still working out of my house. And he was about to, like, build a studio in Santa Monica. He's like, yo, I, I got a little bit of money. I'm about to start, like, build, like, a real studio. Mm. And so um, some shit went down with with Adam and these guys. <coughs> and so, like, I, like... Pledge my allegiance to these dudes i was like oh, i'm not gonna fuck with adam right now like i'm just gonna keep doing my thing but he and i like would throw work towards each other yeah. it was like he's a, like not only is he a super super ridiculously talented record producer and engineer but an amazing pianist and just like instrumentalist in general Word. so when i needed keys on stuff i'd hit him up and he'd play keys yeah. and he played keys on the mud luscious record mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah. played organ very talented and dude. super talented dude And then like he needed, if he needed like programming or scratching or like more kind of electronic kind of things, he would hit me up and I would work on some of his projects. And that's how we started like throwing work at each other. Yeah. Lost touch for a little bit. He ends up building this recording studio in Santa Monica, which is still there, which is beautiful. We get back in touch or he has like an opening party for the studio. And I was like, I'm gonna come check this place out. Turns out it's beautiful. Yeah. On Olympic and ninth, like nine blocks on the beach, right around the corner from basic. I was like, yeah, I can fuck with the godmother and hit the studio up. That sounds great. Mm, you know straight up so we start like getting back into it and we start, we start like throwing work back at each other all the time and eventually gets to a point where he's just like you're like here all the time he, he had a studio in like a massive building that had like a bunch of different studios it was yeah. like an old rehearsal hall that yeah. they had turned into recording studios Word. and in a smaller room two doors down had opened up. He's like, yo, what if we go in in this room together and we can just like start working all the time. Boom. 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 We have two rooms and we don't have to like share this board. Yeah. I was like, that sounds great. So he and I go in on this other room together. So like I bring all of my stuff there and we're basically just like ping pong stuff all day long. Just yeah. work, 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 work. And we bring in these other musicians and we start to start like this sort of, Motown vibe where it's like we have our musicians, we have our band, and every project it's always the same dudes, no matter whose project it is Adam's project, my project, someone else's project. We're and we're cry. just gonna like this is the this is every like that dude plays bass, that dude plays guitar. I'll do the programming and the scratching and like the, the editing. Adam will record it, you know, play keys. Like we had our core and yeah. we were just hitting it, yeah, you know, and doing great, yeah, living, making music, yeah, you know, don't have to be in a band anymore, yeah, right? Still kind of tied to Adam, yeah. That's going great. It's going really well. Um, eventually gets to a point where, and like through all this, I'm DJing all the time now, like traveling, like it's just it's going, yeah. it's working. I start to like hit that same sort of feeling. And this is like a speed through this, but like that same kind of <coughs> empty-ish feeling where it's like, I'm not making art anymore. I'm getting hired to write a song. Right? And it's like, this person wants this thing for this thing. BMW has this spot and this thing, and it, it, this is the reference track. We want it to sound like this Justin Timberlake record, but we can't afford this Justin Timberlake record. Yeah. So you got to make a song that sounds like this record, and that's how all that shit works, it's right? It's like, mechanical. here's the spec track. Yeah, Make it sound like this, but not close enough where they can tell what it is, but don't stray too far away because you know the execs at BMW love this song. <laughs> but they don't want to pay for it. Yeah. But we'll pay you because you're not fucking Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> so you make that song. You know? It's like, okay, boss, I can do that. <laughs> Yo, you know real. That's a, that's a job. Yes, boss. That's a job. Yeah. And that's what it became. It became a job. Mm. Right? And then, all this time secretly, like I've always just really loved restaurants and bars. And then it got from like, I was fortunate to, I've traveled a lot. I've been a lot of places in this world and I've seen some crazy hotels and been eating at ridiculous restaurants. And When you
0: went there, were you kind of like really... Yeah, I just always about, loved it. I just
2: always loved it. My brother and I always talked about opening a bar at some point. Like We well, were just always
1: into it. I just loved and it. And also, just like, I want to, before, you, I know where you're going, but I'm just going to dive in just real quickly about you as a DJ. Yeah. Because... You as a DJ is your core. Yes, hundred percent. And you're really fucking good at it. Thank you. And talk about just before you you jump into restaurant world. Yeah. Talk about where you're at with uh, being a DJ and and that element to what you're doing.
2: So I mean,
1: I I don't really
2: DJ anymore.
1: Right now, no, I know. Right now, I'm, but but during that moment, but during when, that like, moment, when I was. You, you got you got the yeah. BMW spot here there. Was DJing something that you still felt connected to?
2: Yeah. I like it was more like I was using the turntable as an instrument. Like I wanted to. Almost every song I had like some sort of turntable scratch element. I was doing all this kind of like weird experimental stuff with the turntable to make it percussive. Mm-hmm. Where that was always like that goes all the way back to playing in that jazz band. Like I always loved using the turntable. Like an instrument, like I didn't really care about DJing. I'm really good at it, and I can put a set together and I can blend every genre of music. And I'm, I'm, I, I, I feel like I have a knack for that.
1: Hundred percent.
2: And that that like, I I have this deep knowledge of music that I'm appreciative of. But what is what is known as a DJ in the like broadest scope of that is like what did to say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he knows. He knows that you know. Yeah, he does. He knows that you know. He does. But like in the broader spectrum of like what the mainstream media sees as a DJ right now, right. which is like some European dude playing in Ibiza and fist pumping. Like, I'm not down with. That. I'm just not into that. Like, I was never into like the nightclub scene although here in you, L.A. Although you,
1: you did rock with uh, K- Kelly Rowland a little
2: bit. I did, and we played a lot in Europe. And we were playing get tracks. And yeah, you got know like, that Nushi? <laughs> yeah, that's how Nick started fucking with me. That's how Nick started fucking with me. Yeah, exactly. yeah. He he handled that tour for me.
1: But that that just so that that but being that DJ, and but like be, and being doing that, that kind that of DJ was
2: just, was just never an interest to me.
1: So, and, and I wanted to tie that in because we get it from the production side. Like the production side is not feeding your soul right there, doing these like mechanical ass spots. And the DJ side isn't really feeding your soul.
2: Yeah, the reason the DJ side is not feeding my soul is because it's not like feeding me. Like, I wanted to go be super artsy and do this like weird yeah, artsy stuff on the turntables. Right. And it's like, you know, it just didn't pop for me like that. Right. You know, that's a, such a hard route. And it, like, had I been working at that route the whole time, it might've been different. Like there's one DJ shadow. Yeah. yeah, Right. Exactly. Like there's one Eamon Tobin. Like those dudes don't exist a lot. There's guys like a track and Z trip that can like go through every genre and do that. Yeah. Like that's not the easiest thing to like. Now there's this quote, like open format DJ and we play everything like that. Wasn't really like that all the time. right, Right. Like, you know, AM like really got that going a lot, you know? And then like, but like dudes like A-Track and Z-Trip and, and things like that, like who can like do everything. I I was more into that, mm-hmm. that side of it, but even less on the club scene, much more on the like, I wanted to be in head, you know, like I wanted to be DJ Shadow. I yeah. wanted to be Kid Koala. Yeah. Like I was on that tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like most of the people listening to this, like, don't probably don't know who the fuck Kid Koala is. Right. And in my opinion, he's like the best turntablist that's ever touched a turntable. And Dan the Automator. Yeah, like those kind yeah. of like out there. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to, like on some weird Qbert shit, like yeah. from fucking Mars. Totally. Like D styles. And you've always you know, like, been like that. These that's kind the of weird, weird, weird music.
1: And that's the thing. He's always been a very out there dude. we F- making. G, he was doing fucking porn samples.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like that. That was that's where my brain was with with DJing, and like at that time for me, that wasn't cutting it. That wasn't paying the bills. Yeah, it's like oh, I can write some fucking electro pop
1: songs. But that's a very real thing. It's not paying the bills.
2: Yeah, you know. And I couldn't just like I'm grown at this point. I'm not 18 anymore. Right. You know, I'm 28. Right. But like this, 10 years later. Yeah. You know, and the craft is there. Did I put myself out there enough? Maybe not. Yeah. Like maybe I didn't push hard enough and just dive all the way into it. Maybe I.
1: Nushi from 32 maybe. rooms away. <laughs> did you
2: want that? I, maybe not enough. Clearly not enough. There was something holding me back. You know, I, did, I wasn't free enough to just do it, yeah. to just like live it and be like, I'm going to do this. Like I don't give a fuck what else is going on. I'm going to make some weird-ass turntable music. Yeah. And I have some of that. It lives because I made it. I made yeah. it for me. The world didn't get to hear it, and I didn't yeah. get paid for it, but I got to create it. Can I ask you this?
0: Was the shit that you were getting paid for like super jobby? Yeah, for
2: sure. And that still got to be artistic, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it was definitely jobby. It's not music that I cared about. Yeah. And and you can hear that in the music, right? Like that doesn't, it doesn't sound like it's coming from your soul. It sounds like it's coming from a fucking machine. Yeah. Because it was coming from a machine.
1: Yeah.
0: However well-oiled or not, it was a machine. Yeah.
2: Like literally and figuratively from a machine and i just didn't care about it like and that was great and i I should have been happy but i wasn't happy like you don't you don't quit your job and move across the country because you're like completely happy like let's keep it real right yeah like we can talk about how how amazing this opportunity was that i'll get to but it's like you're not looking at that opportunity if everything's hunky-dory exactly you know you're like you're focused like if i was focused You'd, get, you'd I, yeah. give
0: up something that could potentially be life changing because you believe enough in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Like,
2: and I, I, was out there doing my weird turntable stuff to empty rooms, and it's like that. You know, it's not fun. I, I, I can't. You know, like you're a community guy, bro. Yeah. Like I want people there. Yeah. I want you to hear this. I put yeah. a lot of fucking heart and soul into this. Like this is some weird art that like, is not easy to do. Yeah. And it just wasn't being received you know and i didn't push hard enough and mm-hmm. I, I didn't stay that course yeah and i spent a lot of years doing some other shit but that's fine yeah that's what, what would, it was
0: what was the pivot moment
2: um i got so i got a, uh, a friend of mine named Vishal was living in new york for he he actually just moved back to los angeles but he was living in new york for like 10 years um one of if not the smartest guy I've ever met. Like actual literal Doogie Hauser. Like literally. He's the he was the young he's was the head of dermatological surgery at Columbia at 32 years old. Fuck. He's a genius. He's a genius. But he wants he he and I always shared this affinity. One, we had like super respect for each other. I was like, I don't know how you do what you do. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you do what you do. Yeah. You know but we both loved food. That was our thing. That mm. was the like that he was like my food buddy. Like Word. I had one or two friends that I was like, yo, this, I'm going to talk to you about music, I can talk to you about this, I can talk, like we we have these people that like we're all broad, right? Yeah. We have these and, groups.
1: And matter would always throw like dinner parties and shit too. It was Word. part of his thing. Oh, I mean always. I told him
2: that like we would you would come over to like do a session and I'd like make dinner for you,
1: make yeah. cocktails for us. And, and he like, would make dinner and cocktails, like for real cocktails. Yeah. yeah Yeah, no so Matter's always like been this guy all the time like that's been his through line throughout all this yeah
2: I just like enjoy being hospital and I think the the bottom line of this whole thing and we'll get into like this opportunity in New York in a second is like the way I felt in music was like what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine right that's how music is like my hand's in your fucking pocket fuck you pay me yeah yeah in the hospitality industry, it's not about taking, it's about giving. Yeah. Right? That's the whole point. Is like I want you to come to my place so I can give you food. Mm-hmm. I just want to feed you. I just want you to have a drink. Just come be comfortable. Yeah. Okay, like come home. Be a guest in my home. Right? That's what it should feel like. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, you made that track? Yeah, but I kinda wrote that track yeah. too. It's like, what about yeah. me though? Well, what, like, you, you're getting you're what, getting back in money on that? Yeah, what well, about where's my fucking paycheck? What's the
0: splits looking like? Yeah.
2: No, that should say M. Siegel before your fucking name. Yeah. Like, I don't... You know, it's like... Yeah. Everyone's got... you kept looking over your shoulder. It's like, I don't want to do that, man. Word. I just want to give. You know? I just want to, like... And I didn't really realize that's what it was. But that's what it was. Yeah. So, I get an email from my buddy Vishal, who was like... All the time, he would hit me up. And he was like, yo, you got, like... I know you want to do this thing. I know you and Steve keep talking about opening this bar at some point. Like, I know you really want to do that. He's like, if you really want to like learn, learn you need to come to New York. Like the food scene in New York is just m- light years beyond anywhere else in the country, especially Word. in LA. And it is, it's a different fucking solar system. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. but like I make music and I work in LA Yeah. I live in LA Yeah. and I'm not moving to fucking New York. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, this is my life. I yeah. what are you talking about? And so every once in a while, he would just, like, hit me up, hit me up. Like, we, like, literally, we would travel to Chicago together to go, like, eat at Alinea. You know, just to, like, Wild. go. Just till we could eat there.
0: Shout out to Chef's Table so that I even know what the fuck that is.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is, like, long time ago. Yeah, I feel you. And so he he emailed me a link to apply for a job to be a host at 11 Madison Park, which is... You know, for those of you that don't know, it's just fucking Google it.
0: I feel you. Google fucking 11 Madison Park.
2: And he knew that I knew what 11 Madison Park was. You know, and this is in 2012. So it wasn't even like popping like it is right now. Or, but it was still definitely a big deal. Anyone who's into food like knows what that is at that point. And, or like, yeah, late 12, early 13. So finally, like, I I hit, it's like, all right. This is the beginning of 13 and sends me this email. And he's like, dude, just apply for this job. Just baby. cold. Just cold. Just, just send a fucking cold email with zero experience. You're a DJ. Send an email. <laughs> okay, yo, dude. Yo. Sure.
3: All right.
2: You know what? I'm going to send this email just so you'll shut that the was fuck like the up. fuck you email. Yeah. It was like, great. Man. <laughs> Shh. Here's the email. I'm going to BCC you on it so you can see what's going on. Apply for this. uh, Send an email to like apply for a job to be a host. It's like, I don't know what that does, but I'm assuming you just like say hi to people. It's like, I can say hi to people. I got a good smile. Yeah. Great. I can do that. Yeah. Send this cold email. Get hit back. Yeah. Come on in. It's like, oh, I didn't mention I was in Los Angeles.
0: (laughs) Wild.
2: So I'm like... So I, t- I tell Vishal, he's like, yo, dude. So like we talk about it. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll go take this interview. The worst comes the worst. I get to hang out in New York with my boy for a weekend. It's like an excuse to go to New York. Lit. Right? Okay. Fuck yeah. It. I haven't been in New York in a couple years. Like, great. Sign up for this. I, I, go to, I fly myself out, put myself up in New York for one job interview to be a host at a restaurant that I have absolutely no business stepping <laughs> foot in, with zero experience. Uh, I'm writing electro pop songs for BMW. Straight up. <laughs> like, what the fuck?
0: And it's like a, it, like, e- even as prestigious as a restaurant can be, it's a host gig. Yeah. So you're like, like DJ you're the lifestyle and, 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 and music maker, mm-hmm. and then you're being like, a host. Oh, believe me, they told me that multiple times.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
2: I go to do this interview, yeah. right? <laughs> with this woman named Mandy, which, uh, who I give complete credit for everything to her. And I have to actually give a shout out to her. Mandy and Brandon just had a tragic loss in their family. So I want to let Brandon and Mandy know that I care about them a lot. <sighs> so I go to meet Brandon. Our I thoughts to, are with you. I go to meet Mandy at this job interview at this crazy
1: restaurant. Now, before, when you get to New York, i yeah. us jump jumping in.
2: Yeah. I stayed at the W cuz I still thought I was like the man at the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you still had the bread though, you know what I mean? <laughs> like you I was doing fine. You weren't starving. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so like, what was <laughs> What was a uh, what was that moment like just walking up to the restaurant? Like, what were your expectations like? What Dude,
2: you... I had no idea what to... I had nothing. So you're just... just... I, I even, like, I was, like, thinking, I was like, do I even... Should I even bring a resume? Like, what's the point? What is the point? My resume says nothing. So... And nothing that has anything to do with anything.
1: Because, like, I would figure most people for, for this kind of, like, magnitude of a place and in this position would be fucking hella nervous.
2: I was super nervous. Yeah. And I'm, I'm an adult. I was grown at this mm. point. In 2013, like I was 32 years old. Like I'm a fucking man. <laughs> and I was super nervous to apply to be a host at a restaurant. <laughs> but I go and I was like, I mean, I'm here. Like this is what I came for. I can spend two hours That's, out of my weekend in New York to yeah. go like, I have to do this. Yeah, yeah. So I go and meet Mandy and she and I chop it up and it goes great. And she very bluntly says to me, she's like, you're very different than most people that apply for this job. Um, You're a little bit older and usually people that apply for this job are like fresh out of college or they went to the Culinary Institute or whatever it is, or they're aspiring to be a actress or something and they just need some time. You know, they just want like any kind of whatever. I, she's just like, You're different than most people that apply for this job. I don't understand why you're here because by if, if your resume is correct, it seems like you're doing great. You know, you're going to start at the bottom and you're going to make no money. <laughs> and I was like, No, yeah, no, I, I get that. <laughs> but I, I know about this place and I, I like, I'm willing to do that because I like, I want to. Get my foot in this door, like I, 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 I'm humble enough to know that I can. I'm gonna start at the bottom. I don't expect to just go be the chef. Yeah, like, obviously, you
1: know. Um, now what what kind of made you okay with like just was it just like look, I'm just I just want to get into this industry. So you were just ready to just you didn't care.
2: Honestly, man, like this is gonna sound like some hippie shit, but it's like I knew I needed to be that that place. I just knew as soon as I walked in. So like,
1: you, you didn't care about starting at the bottom or like your no, ego wasn't getting in the I way no, or I,
2: like, I, I'm such a humble dude. Like I didn't care. I knew that I, I wasn't expecting anything. I was expecting to start at the fucking bottom yeah. and make no money. And I was just going to learn and fucking work harder than everybody there. And that was my goal. I was like, I just want to get in this building. I just knew. I don't know. It, like, I don't know what it was. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, you just know. Like, I just knew. I stepped inside there. And I was like, okay, this became like a real place, not just like an email with some woman's name. Like I stepped in that building, and if you haven't been in that building, it'll take your breath away. It's stunning. Um, and then I just like, you know, I got this great vibe from Mandy. And like I said, like I give her so much credit. She and I spoke about it the other day. Yeah, like she claims it. She's like, you know, I, I claim you. She's like, I found you. I was like, no, I know. I give you full credit for it. 100%. Um so whatever, we go through the interview, and she's like, look, bottom line is like, I don't know that you'd fit in this role, but I feel like our GM like would want to meet you. You're just so different than anyone that walks into this these doors. I feel like he should just meet you. I was like, yeah, uh, great. Let's do that. So she's like, look, I'm going to here's his card. I'm going to send an email introducing the both of you. See if you can, this was like on a, we met in the morning. She's like, see if you can meet him later today. If like he's free, and you, if you're free, come back later today or at worst tomorrow morning or something. And I was supposed to set to leave the following day. So I had all day. I had nothing to fucking do. So I, I reached out to this guy. His name is Kirk. I reached out to Kirk um, and we couldn't set anything up until the following day. So I go to meet him now the next morning. But he's willing to see me. So I go back the next morning. Same suit. I brought one suit because I went for one fucking interview. Go meet this guy, Kirk. And we totally hit it off. He's younger than me, by the way. The general manager of 11 Madison Park is younger than the dude that's applying to just be a fucking host. Wait, really? Yeah.
0: What the fuck? Yeah,
2: younger than me. Like, substantially. And looks super young. Like, he just Mm -hmm. looks like a kid. And I was like, you're the GM of this place? Whoa! I'm like way over my head. Like I don't know what is going on. Fuck. But the thing that I had in my corner is, I I mean I I did my homework before I went in there, mm-hmm. and the two owners Daniel and Will are super into music, deep music dudes. They have pictures. They're like the like ethos of Eleven Madison Park is Miles Davis. Yeah. There's pictures of Miles all over the kitchen. There's like words that are inspired by Miles all over like. That place embodies, like if that place, essentially what it is is like, if that place was a person, that place would be Miles Davis, right? Yeah. So I was like, I don't know anything, but I'm just going to talk to this dude about jazz. Because <laughs> I know about some jazz. So I just like, Kirk and I just started shout chatting. Shout out to Mr. Julian. Shout out to Mike Julian. Shout out to Miles Davis. And um, shout out to Chef and Will, because those are the fucking men we just start chatting like boys. It's just like, it didn't feel like an interview. We were just talking. And he goes through all those same routines. Like, I don't know what you're doing here. You're going to start at the bottom. You're going to make no money. Your resume looks impressive, but like, why, why, like, why are you here? What are you doing here? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense for you to be here asking me for this job. He's like, I'm, I like, I am envisioning what you're doing and it looks way cooler than what you're gonna project, like prospectively do
0: here. <laughs> also, you don't live here. Yeah. I was like, yeah, okay, that's cool. You were a fucking unicorn that was like, hey, I just want to like chill in the zoo real quick. Yeah, I'm a I'm a, I'm a purple yeah. unicorn, but like, can I kick it here at the LA Zoo? Yeah, I was like, I'll I was like, no, I'm fine. I will start
2: at the bottom. I don't care. So. We, we go through the whole motions. we go through all of it, all of it. And finally at the end, he's like, look, here's what I'll do. Next time you're in New York, you let me know and I'll set up a trail for you. He's like, I like you, you seem interesting. Let me know next time you're in town and we'll set it up so you can trail one of our guys during the night. And you can see if this is something that you actually want to do. And you can see what's going on here. And we can see if you're someone that could actually even function in this place. Mm. (laughs) You know, he didn't say like that. But, like, let's keep it real. Yeah,
0: He's like. You're in the wild. You're not going to like. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, you know, me wanting to take advantage of the situation and, like, kind of knowing what I think he wanted to hear. I was like, well, I'm here now. And that's definitely what he wanted to hear. Yeah. He was like. Good. you're going to do it tonight. Oh, that's fucking lit. Which is also like very New York. It's like, great, let's go. Yeah. You want that apartment? Take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was supposed to leave that night. And so I was like, okay. Um, great. Let's just do it. And he looks at me. He's like, I, wore, I brought a blue suit and brown shoes. Cause I like that combination. Yeah. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah. And he looks, he looks me up and down. He's like, you got black pants and black shoes, right? Nope. One job Mm interview, one suit. He's like, great. There's fifth Avenue. Go buy black shoes and black pants and be back here at six o'clock tonight.
0: Wild.
2: Okay. I booked my hotel another night. I pushed my flight to the next day. And I took mass to Banana Republic and bought black shoes and black pants. Yo. <laughs> Shout out to
0: Banana Republic, bro! <laughs> Straight up.
2: And now all of a sudden, this job that I like kind of was just like whatever, but I was like, I fucking want like these guys. Yeah, you're working for su- it. You're you're like, Fuck y'all. Let's yeah, go. I was like, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. But in so, backtracking a tiny bit, in that conversation, I was. I was like, so what am I going to be like? What does this trail entail? Like, I wanted to get a little bit of some sort of insight yeah. as to what's going to be going on. He's like, oh, well, you'll go with one of our, our kit, they call them kitchen servers, essentially a glorified food runner. Yeah. You know, take plates, drop them off the table, shut the fuck up, go back to the kitchen, take plates, yeah. shut the fuck up, go back to the kitchen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Explain the food, go away. You know, clear the plates. Yeah. Um, Don't overstep your shit. Yeah. And move fucking faster. I go do all the thing, come back. He tells me like to go in through the back, like the the employee entrance, and you like walk through the kitchen. And I'm like walking through the kitchen, and it's like um this kitchen guys What's going through your head? Is right immaculate. Now? The the kitchen at Eleven Madison Park, yeah, is cleaner than the dining room in any other restaurant you've ever been to. Really? The it's kitchen, fucking spotless, <laughs> and it's dead silent. Your shit is oh. perfect. <laughs> it's silent and it's beautiful, and everyone in there's a fucking killer. And I'm just walking through this place, and everyone's just staring at me. I don't know where I'm going. I'm like yeah. bumping into people. It's more like, I mean, it's a massive kitchen. But there's a lot of people in there. So mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know which way is up from down. And there's someone trying to like guide me through, and I, I I'm just fucking nervous. Like, yeah. I, I like, I'm, I'm like. Fuck, I'm way over my head. <laughs> yeah. Like, I should be at the bar with Vishal right now, drinking yeah. <laughs> old fashions. <laughs> Cuz I don't know what I'm doing here. This f- fucking piece of shit got me into this. Yeah. But now I like really want to like do it, yeah. you know?
0: You're balls deep at this point. At this <laughs> he's, point, he's like, in. I'm in it. I'm in there. Yeah. I'm inside the machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're
2: inside. And so they pair me up with this dude named Matt who also happens to be from Southern California. This dude, Matt, grew up in Orange County. He's like, Matt from California? Meet Matt from California. I'm sure you guys will understand each other. <laughs> That's literally what they said to me. <laughs> so I trailed this guy, Matt, who now has become one of my absolute closest friends. Word. And so I'm trailing him this whole night and like basically just shadow him, just follow him around. Yeah. Don't touch anything. Don't yeah. ask, ask questions, but it's just like, observe. So I'm, I'm, I'm following this guy Matt around all night. and like meanwhile during, during that whole thing, every different manager is like pulling me off the floor and like spot interviewing me. And it was like fucking intense. Like the magnifying glass is definitely on this Wild. guy. And so they're like asking me all these background questions, asking me all these restaurant questions. I don't know what the fuck is going on. And they're like talking about asking me, all, oh, whatever. It's like interviewing me like on the spot, like trying to catch me off guard. And that happened like two or three times in the middle of the night. And then i go back to Matt and just follow him around, and he'd ask me questions, and I wouldn't know the answer, because I didn't fucking know anything. Yeah, And I didn't front. Like, I was yeah. honest with everyone. I was like, I've never worked in a restaurant. Yeah. I don't know anything. Yeah. You know, I wasn't trying to, like, fake anybody out. Yeah. I, f- I couldn't. Like, they'd see right through me. And Absolutely. I was just, why? And, like, why would I do that? So I go through that whole night. I go back at the end of the night. I finally get to back to Kirk's office, and he's like, hey, look... I just want you to know we really appreciate, like I know that you booked your hotel and I know you did all this stuff. And like, he's like, I'm going to say it again. Like, I still don't understand why you're here. I don't understand why you want to be here. And I'm going to tell you again how little money you're going to make here. But I can tell that you actually want to be here. Like you have that drive and desire. I was like, yeah, dude, like I'm I'm not here. Did you ever at that point
0: have a voice to why you wanted to be there or not yet? I just
2: knew. I just knew. I just knew. Like after going through all of that, I, like, I loved the way that they operated. Mm. And still to this day, which is like why I remain What, what was fortunate. that? Perfection.
3: Mm. Mm.
2: Right? We can never be perfect, but they strive to be perfect yeah. every and night. And if the goal is
0: perfection, like, like you, your, ha- like you want to be perfect.
2: Eating. Right? Like at a restaurant of that caliber where every single, imagine every single guest that comes into that restaurant, this is the way they put it to me. Okay. If every guest that comes into this restaurant doesn't have the best meal of their life, we failed. Fuck. (laughs) And they're goddamn That's LeBron scoring 50 every night. Yeah. Every night. Triple-double, too. Every night. Yeah. Russell Westbrook, triple-double scoring 50. I like that. Every night. I like that. Right? Yeah. If every guest doesn't have the best meal of their life, we failed. And that restaurant's open every day. It's closed four days a year. I like that.
0: Mm. I like that. Yeah. I want that. I like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to be Kobe every night. Yeah. Let's do that. Hurry up and run. Let's run. I want to run. I like that. I like that New York mentality. Yeah. Like, let's go. Yeah. I never
0: had that. Because this is giving on another level. This is giving perfection every night. Yeah. This Not is, only
2: are you giving, you're giving perfection. This isn't giving
0: no. just to give. Like, you're trying to find the art of what yeah. perfect giving is.
2: And they, like, it's so it's so personal and so detailed. Every guest, it's one one of one. Was what we would always say, right? It's not like this. You're all gonna get the beef. No, you're not all gonna go eat eleven. More. Like Anush is gonna have Anusha's meal, and mm. Joe's gonna have Joe's experience, and Eric's gonna have Eric's experience, and every single person is gonna have their perfect experience. Right? Yeah. I just love that. I want that, and I I saw that. Even in that little bit of trail, I could just see like it. Honestly, looked like a fucking watch, like the inside of a watch, and every Wild. step was perfect. <sighs> it's 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 <sighs> attempted perfection. Lit. And I loved it. Lit. I was instant. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's way like yep cooler than like
0: nobody else like, went to Banana Republic, but you did. Right, got it done. Right, goes yeah. Fifth I, Avenue. Yeah. All right, word. I'll be a banana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they have a huge store there,
2: yeah. <laughs> and they got a sale on black pants. Yeah. <laughs> but literally, he pointed. He's like, "There's Fifth Avenue," and I'm glad he did. Goes, I don't know. The fuck yeah. I've been to Manhattan like twice in my life. Um, so after that, I go, I'm, I'm in Kirk's office, and he's like going through all these things. I was like, "Yeah, man, like I really, actually want to be here. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm not just throwing money all around. Like, I want to be here. I'm not yeah. Just, like, wasting yeah time. So he's like, "Here's what I'll do." He's like, I'm going to talk it over with Matt and see how you did and then the other managers and we're going to kind of all reconvene. But what I will promise you is before you leave New York tomorrow, we'll have an answer for you either way, either yes or no, but at least we'll, we'll give you an answer. Yeah. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Now I couldn't, like when I pushed my flight now, I couldn't get a flight the next day till like 9 PM was the like earliest flight for whatever. So now I'm walking around New York and my buddy's. In fucking surgery, like cutting people up, you know, <laughs> being a doctor, <laughs> and I don't know anybody in New York. The only other people I know in New York are is Ian's sister. Oh yeah, my 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 buddy Ian's sister, Melanie, and her and her husband Steve owned a little hot dog stand in like Nolita. Mm. So I just hung out at their hot dog stand. All day because Lit. this job that I didn't really care about—it was an excuse to go to New York. I was now scared to go on the subway because I thought I was going to miss a phone call. Yo,
0: I
1: feel I you go underground, insane.
2: Now this thing I didn't get really, really didn't care about. I was like, yo, if I, I can't, I can't miss this phone call. Like, I can't let it go to voicemail. I, like, I have to talk. Like, yeah. I have to know. You got to be an I open air. This. You yeah.
0: got to make sure your service is yeah. immaculate. Yeah. <laughs>
2: now I want this. Mmm. Bad. So, I don't hear from them all day. I am fucking freaking like, ah, oh, fuck, I, I didn't get it. Right? The worst thing that happens to me is I come back to LA and keep writing music. Yeah. Wow, life's fucking rough. Yeah. Right? But now, like. You're Jason Timberlake.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But now, like, I'm like, I, like I'm dedicated. I was like, I saw, I, I saw. You tasted I saw it for it. a second. I saw yeah. 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 I was like, that. That's and they put
0: you in it. You wanted that in it.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: So I'm I all the way to get to the airport. Still haven't heard anything. At 8 p.m., I'm like about to board this plane. I get an email from Kirk. Here's where it gets even crazier. The day that I got offered my job was the day that the the for those that don't know the San Pellegrino Awards is what ranks all of the restaurants in the world. Okay. Right. Um that 's the the Pellegrino list, got it. they were currently number ten in the world when I went and interviewed there
0: okay. I
2: get an email
0: unbeknownst to you or I, I knew okay
2: I knew I get an email from the general manager of eleven Madison park me fucking matter yeah. j
1: Jason Timberlake over yeah. here yeah Jason
2: Timberlake saying. <laughs> Congratulations, you've just been offered a job at the number five restaurant in the world. They jumped wow. from 10 to five the day that I got offered a
0: job. Wow. What the? Hold on. Mama! mama! <laughs> and this isn't even like we made it, it's just like, Mama, we're here. But <laughs> what was that feeling like?
2: I didn't, like, I didn't. I'll tell you the email I wrote, which is maybe like the dumbest uh, know, yes. piece of. Idiot, like Matt, just being a dumb fuck. Can we? But, no, but, no, but can we but express feeling, Matt Being
0: a dumb fuck. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. But the feeling was just like, fuck. Now I, ha- I have to take it. Mm. Like, like
1: almost like it turned from fantasy to like, oh shit, is this real? It, Do now it's, it's real. Yeah. Wait, wait, like, this
2: whole talk about it, like we dream, it just we dream, became we dream, real. Dream, wait, instantly. am I,
1: am I ready to leave Los Angeles? Mm. Like my mm. whole
2: life is going to change in this email. Everything
1: yeah. changes. And like and it just, yes, it just. came out there on a whim. You
0: got thrown into it. You wanted it. You were leaving. You got it. Yeah, be careful what but, you ask for, right? Yeah. <laughs> you goddamn right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. Like, am I ready to leave this? My comfort zone, my life, my family, friends, yeah. work, everything. What is this? It's great.
0: What would people think? Right. You're going to go do what? Yeah.
2: You're going to be a waiter? <laughs> You're going to yeah. be a food runner? What's a kitchen server? Yeah. The fuck is
0: that what's 11 madison park yeah cool top five restaurant in the world but like look at what you're doing and look where you're going yeah but you wanted it but i wanted it so i'll never
2: forget this is on a thursday yeah and i get an email so i send i get that email i send it back to kirk and i was like kirk thank you i'm like honored i'm flattered i'm humbled like I, i'm sort of speechless yeah I'm about to board a plane back to Los Angeles. Let me take the weekend to think it over. I'll get back to you on <laughs> no, Monday. He did
3: that. <laughs> he did that. This, uh, Yo! Like
0: a fucking Yo! Hold on. Did he... <laughs> hold the fuck up. The, <laughs> the idiocracy. No, but look. <laughs> this, this is coming from the dude, right? That he was like... Yeah, when, you know, next time you come in L.A., like, just let me know and, you know, we'll have you run. And you're like, but I'm here. <laughs> this motherfucker gave you the job. He was like, yeah, you know, I got a couple other offers. <laughs> you know, you let know, me what, take the weekend. <laughs> yeah, You know what's crazy? Actually, the, the, the top, the, the, the number three restaurant in the world reached out to me. Yeah,
2: Danielle and Perse are also on the list. So yeah. like, I don't know.
0: I'm battling between host and, and the kitchen. <laughs> surfer, but
1: the unicorn. This is yo. his one actual can I, place. Can I ask you this though? After you sent that,
0: like looking back at it now, you're like, Yes, um, instantly. Yeah.
3: instantly. I was like, you fucking idiot. What did you just do? <laughs> you <can't>, like, <laughs> reply again.
2: And then I get on the plane. It's like, please turn off your phone. like, fuck, the next five hours is just torture.
0: God. It's like, you just blew it. That's you like, just like blew a 3 a.m. text to the chick you really fuck with. And like, you're lit as God, right? <laughs> and you just take something out of context. And you think you're just being like, well, this. You wake up in the morning. You look at your phone. You're like, God, fuck, <sighs> fuck. This is. That's that. This is the job. It's not the job of your dreams, but this is the job of the moment in an environment that's like... That could potentially change my whole life. Picture perfect. Yeah, picture perfect. Yeah. <laughs> not that my life was no, but can bad, I, can but I it could change. So we know that that was like the moment, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I want to take it back before you sent that, right? Before I
2: sent that, I'll tell you... I'll t- before you ask that question, I will tell you something But look, fast. I want to
0: ask... So tell me before that, but what? I want to ask you as you were typing more so. But give me before you sent that. And then I'm gonna take you to as you're typing this. Fucking
2: so before I sent that, every time I would like leave Los Angeles, my mom would worry that I wasn't coming back because she always knew that like I had this desire to just like go. Well, your right? mom
0: was a giver, right? Right. She
2: knew, and she was, but she would always just like like make sure you come back, you know. Or and I called my mom before I sent the email. Yeah. And I was like, Mom, I just got offered this job. I just want you to know, I'm about to board a plane. I'm coming back to LA, but I'm moving to New York. I already knew. Wild. But then I sent that dumbass email. To so, <laughs>
0: let me no, but let me ask you. This. I want to talk about the moment that you're it could even just be a stream of consciousness email like at the same time, bro, like you've been in the music game forever. So you're like even dropping your dreams, you you're not in this like got it great, gonna be there. Cuz this is this is your life changing. Yeah. Right? But Let's take it to the tenderness of what the fuck was going through your head when you were writing that ho ass email like that. (laughs) I mean, like I think no, because like look, like no, because like look, like you inflated and then deflated immediately. (laughs) You press no, but look, you press send, you press send and realize you fucked up before you could even read it back. Like it was almost as if you were like, all right, blah 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 blah, warm regards, Matt. Send. I'm an idiot. You just like like all
2: the good that you just did. Yeah. Just went.
0: Psh. Yeah. You went to fucking Banana Republic, <laughs> and like got, like they were expecting Gucci or Valentino. You went to Banana Republic, got it done right. Yeah. And black then, pants or black pants. Yeah. And, the, and then yeah. out out of nowhere, the DJ wanting to be a kitchen server had to, like needed time to think. <laughs>
2: Now, I mean, to be real, like, what I was actually thinking was, like...
0: You're giving bring your life up to come there. Right. Like, uh, yeah. I can't but just you, be, like... you definitely didn't
2: express it that way. Right. But, like, was more, like, well, I can't... If I say yes to this,
0: what comes with that? And that probably yeah. was also just, like, one of, like, the benefits to your scenario. Because you're, like, coming in there out of nowhere. Yeah. Right? And they're, like, scoff at the email... <laughs> But he is a DJ. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> yeah. the the wild shit is when they're giving you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying?
2: Well, so here, here's my thinking as to what the the train of thought was there. Okay. Was like, we're number five. We're partying all night. Probably not yeah. even checking emails. Yeah. Thank God Who for you. Who gives a shit? Yeah. As soon as I landed, I sent that email. I was like, yeah, I'm doing. Let's do this.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but what? the five hours
2: of yeah. of uh, excruciating just like we're, 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 regret, we're,
1: like.
0: Were you regretting it, or did you have to like let it go?
2: Yeah, I just had to let go. I was like, "That was a like, that was a dumbass email. I probably (laughs) didn't handle that well. You could have said it better. Yeah, like I knew I wanted the job, but I couldn't. Like I, you couldn't. I didn't want to all of a sudden just be like, yes, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. like that was me just like giving myself. It was posturing,
0: but like you didn't do it well. Like yeah, I feel it. Clearly, it didn't matter. It didn't. It was fine. It didn't. But it didn't.
2: in my own mind, I was like, that's the email you just sent? <laughs> yeah. Like, no. are you fucking kidding me, bro? <laughs> um, but when I got back, yeah, it was like a day or two, like Saturday or Sunday, like yeah. before Monday hit. Like, I sent them an email. I was like, hey, I want to do this. But I asked for like a two-month deferral to like get my life together. So I sent them that email. It was remember it was the end of April. Mm. So it was almost almost four years ago. And... I asked if I could start in July, like right after 4th of July. So I was like, I need a couple months to like change my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were literally like the response honestly was there is no position for you here. You're, we don't need kitchen servers. We hire people and, and we think that although you have no experience, you would be an amazing fit here So you take as long as you want, and when you're ready, there'll be a position here for you. That's fucking incredible. Unreal. That speaks so much to that company. That in itself, right there, is why that company is as great as it is. They could have been
0: like, no, we need you here yesterday.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like we just need a body to fill a job. Right. Right. No. They literally said, like, we hire people, and we think that you're a great person. That's amazing. Yeah. So I took two months, wrapped everything up, and moved across country. (laughs) We're not, we're not done yet, you bro. wanted to see how little people I knew in New York? So I, had, I, knew, I knew two people Shout in New York. Shout out to Vishal, though. I wanna Shout take, out to I, Vishal. I, I, I had yeah, dinner I, with him last
0: look, night. I, I want to take a moment and, 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 and thank Vishal for being as brilliant as he is and even giving a fuck enough to like keep throwing. like. So
1: there's a little part
2: that I need to also explain. There it
0: is, baby. We get it.
2: Right before, the night before my job interview. So part of what Vishal was offering along with this email, was like, hey, one of my new patients happens to be the head somewhere at 11 Madison Park. <laughs> All right, podcast over, bro.
0: Like, uh,
2: yep. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. So he's like, yo, you should really apply for this job, and maybe I can like, tell him that you're going to come in, and maybe uh, he can put uh, in a good word for yeah, you. Yeah,
0: he wasn't just like, yo, I saw this on monster.com. I mean, he did <laughs> see
2: it, and then he was like, yo, it just so happens... He was like, yo, maybe I could set up like a dinner and we, maybe we could like go have a drink and you could meet him before the interview. Like, I don't, obviously, it's not gonna get you a job, yeah. but at least like yeah. you'll have some sort of reference or you can meet him and maybe, I don't know, you could yeah. have some sort of rapport with somebody. Yeah. So he sets that up. I'm sorry I breezed over this because that is a it's, very no, important we, we, part. We got back. We go and have, and this whole thing comes full circle. It's so crazy how this shit works. We go and myself, Vishal, and Jeff Taylor. Shout out to Jeff Taylor. And anyone who's in the wine industry in New York definitely knows fucking Jeff Taylor. Jeff Taylor, a what to do. Um, go and eat at this brand new restaurant called Shea Sardine, which just opened up in the West Village, which is owned by um, a gentleman named Gabe Stuhlman, who I am fortunate to have become very good friends with. So shout out to Gabe, because he's a super influence on me now and a, a really close friend. So we go and have dinner at this place. And we're, like, drinking heavily, We go and have, Vishal and I each have like a drink beforehand. I'm super nervous. I'm going to meet the head sommelier at Madison Park, you know, the day before my interview. Like, I got to like look cool in front of this guy. And then Jeff proceeds to like, we each have a cocktail at starting dinner. And then Jeff proceeds to order wine for us, which if you guys aren't friends with sommeliers, become friends with sommeliers because all you got to do is go to dinner and show up and they'll order everything. Because they want to, sh- or they want to order. They want to drink what they want to drink, and they want to eat what you want to eat. And you just got to show the fuck up. And it's the
1: best. Amazing. It's the best.
2: So we go and have dinner with, we go and have dinner with Jeff, and we're drinking, drinking, drinking. He, we, he then orders three bottles of wine. So now each of us have had two cocktails and a bottle of wine. <laughs> no joke. Without, I'm not exaggerating. Oh, it's, it's... We then go to the bar, and Michelle's like, oh, this is my favorite bar, Pouring Ribbons, which has, because of that night, has become like my favorite bar. I love that bar. Awesome bar like in Alphabet City. And then um, it's like a chartreuse bar. They have this like whole chartreuse vertical. So we each have a cocktail there. And then we start dipping in chartreuse. Mm. And I'm like, yo, I got to impress this dude. He's the like head and EMP. They have this one like super 1910 VEP chartreuse. There's like one bottle in America and they've got it. And it's like $200 an ounce. Ooh. And I was like, yeah, we're gonna, I, need, I need that. I got to like impress this dude. So I was like, yeah, bring, bring on that VEP shit. Bring on that, bring in that super old chartreuse. And so we like, I get, a, I get a pour of it and we all just kind of pour it around. And I'm fucking hammered. So I forgot to mention that when I went in for the initial interview, I had been drinking with yeah. the night before and I was hungover as fuck. <laughs> nice. But all of it worked out. Yeah, I, I feel you. So I go and, you know, switch up my whole life and then move to New York. And I get to New York and the only two people I know are Vishal. And this is how far... Should. So during a, uh, this whole period, I also taught at the Scratch Academy here, the DJ school here. Yeah. I taught there for three years. Um, and one of my students, I kept in touch with a handful of students, the ones that were like cool and had good taste in yeah. music, you know? And um, one of them was this girl named Sarah, had amazing taste in music. Her, bo- She was living with her boyfriend in the South Street Seaport in a place that was like just about to start getting... Rebuilt because it got demolished during Sandy, mm. so they were living like down, yeah. way, way down, yeah, know, yeah, on Water Street, and I couldn't move. I like in between that time, I flew myself back out to New York to find an apartment, right? Which you know is like the worst fucking thing ever. But I couldn't move into my place until like three weeks after my initial start date for work, so it was like this weird time where like. I kinda had to start this job but I had nowhere to live. Yeah. So Sarah talked her boyfriend into letting me sleep on like they had like an extra mattress on the floor in there in his apartment. Nice. For three weeks on the floor in this random dude's place. Well, there you go. That's how it done. On starts. Water Street. Yep. Yeah. Being rebuilt from Sandy. Yeah. Starting this brand new job I didn't know I knew nothing.
1: Welcome to New York. Welcome that's how it's new done. York. I just got yeah.
2: fucking thrown into it. And that's how you do it. You yeah. got
1: it's like jumping in the cold pool.
2: Yeah and that's how it started and um yeah i mean honestly i knew nothing i knew absolutely nothing but i got schooled beyond what anyone could ever imagine at that place
1: yeah i mean now you're in there and like it's, it's, it's your world like you're gonna outwork everybody and um just the education that you're getting and also i think you're doing it with the right mentality too of you already accepted that this was going to be a learning experience and being okay with starting at the bottom and you just want to be in that environment. It's just like your mind is free to just soak it in like a sponge.
2: Yeah, and, and I, it was exactly that. It was like because I think of my age and my maturity, mm. I I wanted to soak it all up. It wasn't just like a job. It wasn't just like something to do and it's like, oh, I got to learn this new menu or I got to learn yeah. this wine pairing or like what is – you know, this type
1: of rum or who knows whatever it is. And it's like, I didn't, I knew nothing. And now what was that like just in New York? Your, your life is so polar opposite of what you've hold done. I mean, I want to even touch on the fact that what's it like to kind of give up music in your music career? You know, it was, it was, and it it was hard, but but like, I mean, you're not making like a hard choice. Like I'm never doing music again, but it's like, when no, but i Stopped. I effectively made a decision. When you kind of close, yeah, when you close that door, kind of like you're grinding, you're you're doing spots, you're producing, you're DJing, you know, you're writing music, doing all these things, and now you take a complete change of stopping music. You know what was what was that like? I mean, it was really hard to come to
2: that decision, but in the same time, like it was really refreshing. Yeah. I didn't, like, I felt like I was doing, there was a a lot of it was like, I felt like I had to do it because I like, I made, I made this decision that this was going to be my life and this was going to be my work and I was going to like live off of music and I was like, you know, like, unless you're, you're here, it's like, whatever you can do. Can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. Take a job. Right. It's a job. Right. I, I got that. It's a gig. Right. Yeah. And it's like. I just made this decision. I was like, I'm not going to work like that. Like I didn't, I'd never had a boss before. You know, I worked for myself mm. from college on. Yeah. So I was working for myself. Yeah, Just making it work. Yeah. You know, fortunate to have a good background, mm-hmm. just making it work. Yeah. And I, I, all of a sudden I had 10 bosses. And I was at the bottom of the fucking I went from running a, my own business yeah. to being at the absolute bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. Not just at the bottom, the guy at the bottom that knew fucking nothing. Yeah. yeah.
1: The bottom of the bottom.
2: The bottom of the bottom. Like literally, like the bottom of your shoe. The gum on the shoe. And like
1: <laughs> like the gum on the bottom of the gum. The wrapper that shoe. stuck
2: to the gum on the bottom of the shoe. <laughs> and the like patch of hair. No one knows where the patch of hair came from, <laughs> but it's like on the shoe. Um, but it was like honestly it was super liberating yeah it was so free. i just got to like i love that be matt siegel no one there knew who matter was yeah it didn't mean shit that name didn't mean shit it wasn't matt who grew up playing baseball it wasn't matter the dj it wasn't this dude it wasn't so-and-so's like tour guy it wasn't like adam's partner it wasn't the dude from mud Lush. it was just oh you're matt from california yeah that's cool because i didn't know anybody right like you said start over i didn't know anybody and i just be free and just learn and just soak this up i spent so much time in that fucking restaurant i was never home one i didn't have any friends two i was sleeping on the fucking floor yeah until i moved into my place you know um and then even in my place, like I picked a place that was close to work because I was I, I walked to work every day, which is the greatest feeling in the whole world—walking to work. Oh my god, I don't I, I miss not driving. I fucking hate driving. I love Word. walking everywhere and Word. taking the subway. Um, and I just I just like made that my world. I put my head down, and for I didn't look up for three years. So true. Wild. I just I immersed myself in Wild. that world. I spent all of my time in that restaurant. Like the
1: definition, like this dude was put everything on ice for three years and went into a hole and then came out.
0: How old were you when you made that decision? I was 32 years old.
2: This
1: was three years ago. So Um, 32. I
0: was
2: old. That's old to make a life change like that. Completely change your whole life. And I'm working with people there that are like in their early 20s, you know? Um, But like I said to
0: Joe, like that played to my advantage. The walrus. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen we're talking <laughs> about our our, our photographer <clears> that's <throat> over here like walrusing sweet nothings to god knows who you know what I'm saying uh. so, no but that's, that's brilliant though like it, I forget who the fuck said this quote like I'm not big on these quotables but like it was to the effect of like no age can can limit you to what you want to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's true. And at 32, you put your head down for three years. You were a DJ, music producer. You've been in the game, like entertainment. You're making money. You're living comfortably. It may not be lavishly as comfortably. You're creating, but you're also like trapped in this machine and you want out. But like 32, right? It's not a young you, man. Yeah, you also. I mean, wanna, we're
2: young. Let's, let's not. Yeah, let's we're not young. Make it, but let's
0: not. Yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't be like, oh my God, it's going to take me X amount of years. It's just either you want it or you don't. Right. Right? But it's beautiful for, for like, at the same time, there's like such a gorgeous through line in your story in, in where you're willing, able, and you actually want to escape. And, you know, w- whatever the, the, I guess the touch point is, like, I, I can't pinpoint, but your ability to believe in why you're leaving and the comfort in that decision is beautiful for me. Right? It's
2: scary. It was super scary. I'm not going to lie. Right? They just taking that jump.
0: Yeah. But, but it, you it wanted something different.
2: Without a doubt, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my whole life. Farnham, no doubt. No doubt. Even, even leaving New York was really hard. And wow. even that was a great decision because I knew I needed to do that to progress. But I could have lived in New York forever. Yeah. I just fell in love. I fell in love with that world. I fell in love with that restaurant. I fell in love with that city. People, like, I love New York. I yeah. seriously love New York. I, I could live there in a second. What took you out of New York? I'll get to that. Um, but I just want to touch on, like, being at 11 Madison Park... I, I like, can't stress enough the, like, the diligence of that place is the only word I can put. Word. It's like that strive for perfection. And everybody, you talk about a team and bringing people together, everybody wants the same thing because there's no me there. It's a restaurant. The restaurant's yeah. not, a, it's not a person, but it's living. It's definitely a living, yeah. breathing fucking ecosystem, right? There's, there's food and there's water and like, you can live in, that, in a restaurant. Yeah, And you become a family and that that family like is all striving for the same thing. And it's way different than when you go to Danny's on the corner. Like it's a different thing. And people think restaurant and you're like, "Oh, well, you're just like a waiter." But it's, it's it was something it's, bigger. You can't it, it's it's not I'm not able to to verbalize it. You have to experience yeah. it. You can't. You can't understand what that's like to 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 want to like play at that level.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And so like I said, like I just I took full advantage of that. And I stayed up. I stayed there. I lived there. I wanted to be there all the time. I studied, I studied, I studied. I mean, we had pamphlets this thick to learn the menu. Like, that was the menu. And then there was wine. You know? I didn't know about wine. Yeah, I didn't know anything about wine. I know a lot about wine. Now I'm, like, creating wine menus for people. And, like, I was arguing with a guy today because he wanted to skim me out of some money. He's like, no, you're going to pay me to pick this wine list for you. Yeah. You know? Because... I just like you just you work hang out for that, there, bro. You hang out there and you just absorb knowledge. Yeah. You can't not. Yeah. And I, you know, that work ethic paid off there and I moved up fast, real fast. Um, and I moved on from kitchen server after like I was that I was a kitchen server for like six months. And that's a long time but yeah. in that restaurant. That's short six yeah. months. Yeah. That's a I pay your dues restaurant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and then I get, you get moved into like you actually started working in the dining room. And then your next step, you just get to pour water. That's it. Or you can actually touch something that's going to touch someone's table. Wild. You pour that water. but You spill that water. Wild. Just pouring water. That was the job. Wild. You pour the fucking water. And that's an
0: elevated level.
2: That's oh,
1: elevated yeah. Level. yeah. You're touching something that someone's, oh, yeah? that a guest is going to have.
0: Oh, <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, we're gonna try
1: the- Oh yeah!
2: <laughs> and then from there, I was really fortunate. I got to move over to the bar, which is where I really got to shine. Mm. And I I was only in the dining room for like three months, and then instantly I was just like, Psh. and I don't know if that was like, yo, this dude Seagull can't be in this fucking dining room. Yeah, send his ass to the bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or they like they knew that that was something that I was really interested in. Got it. You know, in my, in my like three months, you know, whatever breakdown with, with the GM um, review, they were really good about that. They're like, here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what you're doing well. What are you actually interested in? Mm. And I told them, I was like, the two things that I really am interested in, tea and cocktails. Mm. And I got to be like a major part of the tea program there and develop a lot of that tea mm. program. And then I got to be part of the bar and develop, and end up developing a lot of that of that bar program. Wild. So I not only got to learn, I got to learn all of the aspects of running food and how food comes out of a kitchen. I got to learn how. At,
0: mind you, at one of the top at the top five restaurants in the world, in the
2: whole world, in the
0: whole world. <laughs> this isn't like no, it, yeah, oh my God. This isn't yeah. like you. And, and that's Il- why I talk
2: about I it like saying. like it's an actual education. It's yeah. not just like. A day job, yeah. Like I was getting schooled. Like I, I went, I went straight to graduate school. You yeah. went to
0: fucking Harvard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: straight, straight there. Yeah, yeah.
0: In kindergarten.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went from like eighth grade to like I didn't go to high school. I didn't yeah. go to college. I went straight to Harvard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I got to learn how that works. I got to spend time in the dining room, learn how a dining room operates on that level, and then I got to go to the bar, and that's when things really like started to take off. And I spent the rest of my time at the bar for the rest of my, my tenure there. And mm. I got to learn from some of the best bartenders in, on planet Earth. And like, you know, Rauschen, and I was like, I was always just into that. Like I yeah. was making shit at home, like doing all these weird infusions and concoctions and yeah. like all shit just because I thought it was fun. Yeah. Because it was science and nerdy, yeah. And like, yeah. that was me going back, going all the way back to that idea of like sampling. And that, it all comes back to that where it's like, I'm gonna take a little bit of this record mm. and a little bit of this record and this and then kind of tweak it this way. Oh, instead of making a beat, oh, that's a cocktail. It's the same thing. Wild. And that's how I think about making drinks. And that's how what's al- honestly allowed me to excel past so many people. I feel you. Because I think about it like making a song. Yeah. Like making a beat. It's you're the, not trying to do that job same part you, of your you're brain, you're creating. Yeah. It's the same part of your brain. And now I get to be completely creative. But instead of making something that goes in your ear, it goes in your mouth.
3: Same
0: I feel thing. you. Same Can we have like same. a cocktail night, bro? Can we just get <laughs> oh, lit oh, as you,
1: fuck? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely oh. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I
0: brought champagne. Let's <laughs> go. And I'm going to swing the rest of this out of the bottle. Um,
2: but then, you know. not to by, the,
1: by the way, he only had a plan to stay in New York for a year.
2: Oh, yeah. I even told them in my interview I was only going to be there for 12 to 18 months tops. Also what? something you should never say. Coming from the guy who doesn't go to job interviews, the guy that that, that that had options.
0: Uploading his life, but he had options.
2: I'm
1: only going to be here for a year, uh, learn everything you teach me, and then bounce. Yeah. (laughs) I literally said that.
0: I was like,
2: yeah, I plan to just be here and then learn and go do my own thing. I said that.
0: Absolutely.
2: Like an idiot. And I stayed there for three years. Yeah. And I could have stayed 20 more.
0: Word. Um, Why didn't you? So. Or what took you away?
2: 11 Madison Park has a sister restaurant called The Nomad, which is inside of The Nomad Hotel on 28 in Broadway.
1: Another very, very... Uh...
2: 11 Madison Park is the number three restaurant in the world. Nomad is the number eight bar in the world. Like, they're not fucking around. The, 11 Madison Park is definitely known for food. Nomad's known for for cocktails. Yeah. Um, as I was going through my tenure as bartender there and doing well I got asked to go start splitting time between 11 Madison Park and the Nomad mm. so essentially working at both places at the same time only two other people have ever done so there's three of us that have ever done that ever and it's fucking hardcore Wow it's super hardcore because mm. the nomad itself has two bars so I'm essentially working at three different three of the best bars in the world at the same time. <sighs> Fuck! All in one week, all in the same week, and then over and over and over again. And they all have different menus. That's a
0: crash course in this.
2: Yeah, oh yeah. And like doing doing R&D and tasting twice a week, every week, with the best palates in the world. (laughs) And they're them telling me that my drinks are fucking killing it. What? Literally, they're like, we've never met anyone that thinks about drinks the way that you think about them. And it's, it's because I think about it like making a beat seriously
0: because you're a producer yeah.
2: it's like all these different things like frequency yeah. like a, a fucking crash symbol is like lemon juice it's like high and it's like high frequency and high acid yeah yeah. bass note is like sugar whiskey it's like all of these things it's like the same it's it, It's the same part of your brain it's exactly the same part of your brain it
0: trips me the fuck out because it's like you would never be able to know that your skill set in music would allow you to think differently in hospitality or that it even be something attributable, like, to be able to, like, bring it in. You know what I'm saying? Like, because, mm-hmm. like, when we're on our paths, we, we think so linearly. Yeah. I mean, straight shot.
1: Yeah. But who
0: would have known that you got a shot to work at one of the All top five restaurants in the world, right? Top eight bars. Like, this is, like, literally top ten echelon of the world going on in hospitality, food, and beverage. And... I would have loved to say the young gunner came in, but the 32-year-old stunner came in. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) And started literally putting his flair on the skill sets that you'd learn. But being comfortable enough to see it in a comfortable space, because a lot of people in those environments, and correct me if I'm wrong, are like bound by trying to impress
3: of course. And you, there's and, there's like
2: a this un, there's this law that you yeah. have to kind of about. How could yeah. my
0: palate ever be as good as these guys? Like if if you're thinking about it that way, you're fucked. Right? But you were still creating. Now now your your hi hat became a fucking liqueur or God knows what. I stopped there because <laughs> I, I got it. And then I'm not going any fucking further because I wouldn't be able to attribute anything else to that. We won there, we're good. You know what I'm saying? New knows what hi hats are. But, like, it's beautiful to me because, like, yes, you wanted it. Yes, you fucking gun, like, put your everything into it. But you also were familiar in an u- unusual and unique way. And, like, the peculiarity of, of your abilities was really what probably shined through like right your ability to, like see like to utilize the sonic landscape and bring it to uh uh to taste and to 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 curating a beverage you don't learn that that's not learned like you don't like a sommelier in training or a fucking uh one one of the most lit bartenders or, or or cocktail creators in the world learns from the lineage of creating that right yeah. right mm-hmm. but you came as the unicorn you know what i'm saying in in into this like confined space but this confined space is like literally like Harvard library times a million and you have professors at at will call ready to define shit that you don't know but you still are able to use your originality and like i think it's a very like brilliant touch point to say that you know our uniqueness and our paths like really allow us to shine. It's not a matter of just being the best at what you do because, at the end of the day, Jason Timberlake was really good at fucking creating, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, Pharrell with an F and one L <laughs> yeah. was really good at producing whatever the fuck, you know what I'm saying? Scores were needed for God knows what, right? But the enjoyment that you got from being in a brand new landscape and also being able to utilize your want to give but also your ability to create and put things together and see it differently allowed you to, to, to thrive and, and, and it is gorgeous for me to even just like digest. You feel know what I'm saying?
2: No, 100%. I got to put all of it together and I got to be myself. I got to put all of it. I got to put that sense of community and bringing together. It wasn't mm-hmm. about me. It wasn't Matt Siegel's restaurant. Yeah. It was just some drink that some dude got at that at 11 Madison Park. Hadn't, my name wasn't on that, and wow. I was totally fine with that. I got to like deliver impeccable service, yeah. right? Just give, like literally the art yeah. of giving <clears throat> yeah. at the highest level. Yeah. At the highest level. Yeah. And then be insanely creative. And at the same
0: time, bro, it's probably just the same feeling as hearing your song on the radio. Yeah, but on a nightly basis. Every yeah, you yeah. get to feeling. watch
2: someone's face when they drink my drink. Yeah, over and over and over. every single time. Yeah,
0: you're in the car every time. You get that. Yeah, get that like smile and lightweight. Sometimes you just know, like you yeah. want to fuck with. Like I know what you're about to do. Uh, What's up? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's just it's like being able to yeah like get that education. Yeah, and be like classically trained, and then become for lack of a better word good enough to then be comfortable enough to be myself Mm. right because you got to go through that you got to learn you got to learn the rules to break around you got to be you got to be tight to be sloppy
0: right when when did you get there
2: it took me a while like every step of that restaurant was starting all over again yeah starting a kitchen server i didn't know shit yeah plates putting things wrong whatever whatever go pour water you're spilling water like that doesn't seem like a big deal but it's like you can't fucking pour water right you know Being a bar back, like being a bar back, I was a bar back for nine fucking months. Wow. That's a long time. Just bringing fucking ice, stock glassware, clear shit. You don't get to touch a fucking cocktail. But I'm getting my ass whooped and learning, 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 learning. Not until I, I like, I, the bartender there, Jim, Jim Betts, shout out to Jim Betts. He's, he, he is the one that actually taught me everything. Yeah, I give him full credit. He had to fight for me to become a bartender. Wild. They didn't want they weren't they didn't want to promote me. They didn't Wild. no one no one thought I was ready except for Jim. But they needed another bartender because they were short staffed. And they had to listen to Jim. And they were gonna take someone from somewhere else. Oh wow um, and not promote me. They were gonna promote above me. And Jim stuck his neck out for me. He's like, they're like, Seagull's not ready, he's slow. He's not like he's not ready to go. He's not ready to go. I had this like California stigma about me. Like, like, seriously, they're like, yo, California, move faster.
0: Like, we're not on the fucking beach,
2: bro. Yeah. Like, I got that all the time. You're
0: yeah. just like, bro, we're not in the sixth grade anymore, G. Like, it was I'm like, like yeah. You know? yeah.
2: Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, man, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll get their food, they'll get the drinks. I'm like, no, like, right? Jim fought for me. And they were like, yo, it's gotta be Seagull. Like, he's ready. He's the right one. Like, he's here. Like, he's been busting his ass. Yeah. And I remember I had a meeting with our owner and, and the, the like, beverage director and Jim, and they were like, we don't think that you're ready. Jim thinks that you are. We're worried that we even have to have this conversation with you. Like, why aren't you ready? Is that their fault for not training you right? Or is that your fault for not ingesting that information? Oh, wow. Ooh. So we can't decide who's at fault, but either way, you're not ready. Ooh. And so I stepped out of that meeting and I was deflated, right? Because I'm getting I'm busting my ass yeah. so hard and like a couple days later Jim comes up to me he's like hey man we had a couple other meetings you're gonna get the job I had not really stick my neck out for you and I'll never forget this he's like just hit a fucking home run
0: oh fuck you don't need the notepad for that one just hit a fucking home run that's what he said to me that's fucking incredible
2: and I hit a fucking home run oof Thank you, Jimmy. Mm, for real. Yeah. And then from that point, when I started, became a bartender, like, clearly there's a massive learning curve yeah. to learn how to like properly work clean. Yeah. The idea of like, being clean and efficient and yeah. fast. It's not about that being creative. That it's, shit comes later. Yeah, you don't no, get, to, yeah, you don't you're get in, to create anything.
0: You're in the point. belly of the beast yeah. at that point.
2: Yeah. You got to make perfect drinks for every single person every single time.
0: And especially in that crowd... Oh, yeah. This is, you're oh not, yeah, you're not at a fucking sports bar where it's like, yeah, it's let like, me get a Jack a and Coke, bro.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: like th- and and these are people like even your your patrons, pallets Here's a vodka cranberry. Yeah, shit. Pallets and eagles mm-hmm. are at their maximum there. We're paying this
2: how much money yeah. for this dinner? I want that shit perfect, and I want it now. This
0: isn't how I tasted it when Jim made it.
2: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He also made it four minutes faster. Yeah. yeah. So there was all that before yeah. I even get to being creative. Yeah. yeah, And I remember one night, like I was working on some stuff because I want like I was still a bar back at this point And I was already starting to like experiment just because I wanted it. Like I just wanted to do it because I was like inspired. And all through all of that, I just want to touch on the fact that I still got to do music at that place. So like I said, they're super into jazz yeah. at, at 11 Madison Park. And there was a guy that like you know every restaurant has like music playing and most most people don't listen to it and most places don't give a fuck. They just put on like Pandora and let it go, right?
1: Right, right, right.
2: That's kind of what they were doing. They had a guy that was like putting some stuff together and because it's Miles Davis. He put like a bunch of Miles Davis songs on and they just like played yes. it off a iPod. And he was leaving. Or he like had gone to take a new job, and someone approached me about like helping update this. Playlist. I was like, "Yeah, I can fuck with that." Yeah. So you goddamn right. I, I I like I redid the playlist at EMP for free. I was like, "Yeah, I just want to do it. Am I gonna charge you? to Make playlists? Like, I just want like Yeah, I know, I know." And we did this playlist, and all of a sudden, there's like real fucking jazz going on in this place. You know, I sit down with the owner, and I'll remember. I'll never forget this fucking line I said to him, I and mean, me being the fucking idiot again, right? Yeah. I'm sitting down with the, the owner, Will, who has become an incredibly close friend of mine now. But I sit down with Will for the first time to talk about music. And he's like, how do you see the, the playlist going? And I was like, well, you know, it needs to be less jazz and more jazz.
0: Uh, and
2: he's like, "He's like, what do you mean by that? Uh, <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs>
0: and I literally... I love how you like accented that too. It needs to be less jazz. <laughs> And more jazz.
2: Yeah, I was like, it just needed to be, like, fucking cooler. <laughs> yeah. But what I said to him was not the word cool. I was like, it needs to be more black. Lit. And he, like, looked at me, and he was like, you're totally right. Yeah.
3: And I didn't damn right. Yeah.
2: It was, that's not a racist. I no. wouldn't mean it in that sense. It's just no, just no, no, no. 100%. That's just where that, that's that's the how that sense. music should sound. Take yeah. it to the
0: origin, yeah. B. Yeah. What you over here doing? <laughs> And
2: from that moment on, he was like, all right. It's lit. student knows what's up. Yeah. And he has the balls to tell me what's up. Yeah. And from that on, that's how he and I forged this amazing relationship. Awesome. Because I was the only person that worked for him that kept it fucking real. Yeah. Him. And I would call, I would say like we would, when we would, the first meetings we ever had was mostly just about music. Yeah. And I would call him out and be like, that's wrong. Like, no, that's not going to sound
0: good. Because like, you we also had this. that pedigree though.
2: Right. And he respected that. You know, or I'd play a song and he'd be like, "This doesn't make me feel comfortable." I'm like, "Okay, but why? What about this?" And you got to listen to it and like, "This is a, this is a, this is a meal we're talking about, right?" No, because
0: you were like, "Who are you thinking about when you're uncomfortable?" Yeah. Can you just listen to this?
2: Yeah. And then, and he like then said to me, he's like, "You know what I appreciate most about you is you make me uncomfortable. You make me okay feeling uncomfortable with these choices, and you'll tell me about it, and we'll work through it." Yeah. Like. A dude like that and a lot of people we talk about in this industry, in any industry, got a lot of yes people around them, right? Yeah, oh, you it's get the, to that it's you straight level, up.
0: Straight the fuck and up.
2: Like, again, coming back to me, I'm a grown man. I'm one year younger than he is, the owner. One year younger than him. Wild. We're, we're the same age.
0: Wild. So we could talk like grown. The general, general fucking manager was younger, younger than, than you and then the, the owner, owner is, is a year, year older. older
2: than me. And I never had a boss before.
0: Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah. And so we could Start. become real friends.
2: And from then, I did that one playlist for them. And now I'm the music director for their whole brand.
0: That's fucking lit.
2: I've done. I've DJed every event. I've DJed all like the fucking craziest James Beard parties. Hey. All these Pellegrino parties. I, I was at his fucking wedding. Like to like he he started this conference called the Welcome Conference. Can you I've, like imagine, imagine all of those
0: that? G, is, imagine this. You could have never expected that just being matter. But you broke yourself, went out on a whim, explored another interest of yours, right? At an age where it's like, bruh, like we're in our golden 30s here, right? But full circle came around. Mm
2: -hmm. And it happened organically. Yeah. I didn't try it. I wasn't going to New York. Like, I got You're, asked, you, all the you time, are, are you going to go DJ him? Yeah. Like, on, dude, get the fuck out of here. I'm here to do this. Yeah.
1: And do you. And this Ugh. this was you. I mean, it, it, and what's beautiful about this, all along while it's happening, M- Matter and I are having conversations. The, the, I, rem- I remember vividly the night before you left. We're sitting at your tables, me, Kalia, and you. And we're just talking about this journey. And every moment that you've come back and we've touched base on exactly where you are and, and seeing that evolution, it's not even like an evolution. You're still now just doing really you. And being here in LA, I think what was impossible to do because of kind of everything that you had become. It wasn't really you, you know? Yeah.
2: And the history. Yeah.
1: And now you were, you got like that blank canvas to not be matter, but to be Matt Siegel. And that's why I go back to like, sometimes when you get sucked up in this music world, you become a character. You become all the things you think you should be, you know, you you become, you know, or try to do these things just to feed what you think your dream is. And that's when I, you know, when I am saying like, that's how you kind of like lose yourself in that. And this gave you the opportunity to, it's not like you went from being a musician to now working in the food industry. You just harnessed your everything you had within you, your same skills and, and talents and everything, and just applied them to just another area. You know, but you, the essence of who you are hasn't changed. You know, in fact, it's just been more discovery to get there you know, dial in more to yeah, who right, you really are. Me to be more me. Honestly. Yeah. Strip, like strip down and just fucking be you, yeah. Dr- you know, take all that shit off, start from the bottom, you know, and that's why you t- you say, look, it was refreshing. Yeah, it must've been. So you can finally fucking be you. And then it's in those moments where you see how much you can thrive in that, you know, and allow yourself to thrive and give yourself that. And it's, it's, it's crazy.
2: That's been the hardest thing for me coming back. Oh, is maintaining that new person here here.
1: Yeah. I imagine because
2: I've changed, but Los Angeles hasn't changed. And a lot of people in Los Angeles haven't changed. Yeah. And a lot of the friends that I have are friends because of duration. History. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Duration. We're like, not because we maybe don't have that much in common. Right. But we've known each other since we were, however, you know, teenagers or younger. Yeah. Um, And you know, like when you leave, you actually realize who you you learn quickly, who your real friends are, the people that you really keep in touch with. Totally. And that number got real small. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. But it's honest. Right. And that's been a big adjustment for me here Mm. is being this person here where it's like, okay, I'm back to being myself, working for myself. I left New York because I, I knew that there was opportunity here. But then not being caught up in being madder here. Right. And just being, going the same shit, getting sucked into the same things or distracting, getting distracted by this or doing that or whatever. It's yeah. like this preconceived notion or that, that like view of you. I'm talking about like me being back here now yeah. after this, this like transformation yeah. and like trying to explain what that was like. Like, I, I still feel like I'm, I'm not doing it justice yeah. explaining what that was like because I, I can't, yeah. I, there, I have so many stories and so many instances and so many, like but do you need moments? To? No, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it for you guys. Yeah. Like I, I know. Yeah. It's for me. When um, I
0: ask that, I'm just saying like to, to, to others.
2: No. But when that question gets asked like, Oh, what are you doing now? What were you doing in New York? Yeah. You know? And like you said, the title, uh, Well, what were you doing? I was like, oh, I was at this amazing restaurant, or like, however I want to spin it, and I don't feel like I need to spin it because I don't fucking care. But my job was a bartender. That was on my pay stub. Matt Siegel, bartender. So when I, but if I say that, same like with growing up in Beverly Hills, there's this thing that's like, oh, you're a bartender, like, oh, you're a DJ, like, oh, you're whatever. Yeah, it's like, that's cool. But what do you really do? You know, say, like, well, I can't. I'm not. I have yeah. to explain
0: that. And especially with you, bro. <laughs> like, you can't. But, like, again, it goes back to our jobs or our titles don't define us, right? Like, you could be a bartender, but, like, your love of tending the bar expands far beyond any, any, like, normal person's reach of what that could be. Right. And the possibilities that you see are endless. But like you don't need to explain that. The only person you need to explain that to or even be comfortable with is you. You know what I'm saying? Somebody here's bartender, they're like, What like where do you go from there? Right? So where do you so where do you work? Yeah. Where do you bartend? Yeah. But look where bartending has took you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the craft itself is going crazy right now. I mean, cocktails are Everywhere, yeah. I mean, it, it' like my life is amazing, and I get to like be super creative, and I get to like curate music and and curate drinks, and be like in in a very incredibly creative space. Yeah,
0: which is
3: being, your, your I essence. Get to
2: be creative. I get to like bring people together, and I get to give. Right, that's <sighs> the three things that I've been like have been talking about this whole time. You're goddamn right. And I get to do that in the. At the highest level. Yeah. And in the exact way that I want to do it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) What more can you ask for? Do I need to hit him with that right now?
3: Mama! We made it!